So it came out when I was 11, and I actually didn't even start watching it until I was about 16. Uh, so it came out when I was 11. I didn't really know much about it because I was just like, okay, it's medieval. I don't really care that much. But then um, someone told me, yo, it's so good. It's so great. I was like, okay, whatever. And when I saw that first episode, I was like, damn, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my connection to Game of Thrones um, is very new. I took a long time to get around to see it. And I had this idea for a movie. I was like, I would love Peter Dinklage to be in this film. And uh, my roommate was like, well, then you have to watch Game of Thrones. You just have to see him do it. I was like, fine. And I watched it and sooner than, sooner than later, I was on season seven. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, my connection to Game of Thrones is I basically am a premium cable junkie snob. I, HBO market is something, HBO orders something a series and I'll give it a try. And they, uh, the, the trailer the, was for it was incredible. I remember Sopranos in the 90s and ever since then, you know, I, I, I watch anything on HBO. And then I saw the first episode and that was sucked. And I'm not even a, I hadn't even heard of the books. I'm not a fantasy or sci-fi or anything kind of person, but... Uh, the characters, the execution, it was just another fantastic HBO show. So I was hooked right then. Very much so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> is it, though? Is yeah. it that clear? It doesn't matter because it's so fun to watch. But no, at this point, you don't even realize that it's a, it's a whole world. It's a planet. There's continents and languages and religions that are right, all made right. up. You don't even realize. Because everything at the beginning, the White Walkers, you don't even know what that is. You, all you know is that everyone doesn't believe that it's real. So all you know is that you want to watch more. I think for me, uh, having seen it so recently and now watching it again, it, seeing all the foreshadow, that's when I'm like, oh, that's what that meant, you know? And so having seen it, yes, it's very clear where it's gonna, like, I'm like, oh, that's, I totally see where it's gonna go. But for, the, for a, a person who's seeing it for the first time, um, or just an average audience member, someone who doesn't like critique film or whatever, um, I could see why it could be very confusing, you know? I think they very, very well um, show character in a way that I don't think any other series does. You know, you see all these just random characters just put, put in this place. They actually make you care for each and every single one of them to the point where you want to see where each person's arc takes them. And I think that what makes it so genius is the fact that they're able to take these characters, their flaws, their strengths, and kind of weave them together in and out to create tension. And I, know, I noticed that as you continue to watch the show, you know, it gets better and better. You know, <laughs> tension rises, yeah. characters change, and they do that to the point where, you know, by the seventh, seventh season, there's like a, like, it's like drastically different. You know, watching back, like you said, so much foreshadowing. I'm just like, wow. You know, there's so much work put into it. I, I appreciate all of that. You know that they're going south and you know that it's going to have to do with the kingdom and the throne, but you have no idea what's coming. No idea. Right. No, no, yeah, you don't. <laughs> no, but it, they, they plant a lot of really nice Easter eggs, I think. Yeah. Dragon eggs. Dragon eggs. There we go. <laughs> human emotion you know uh, one of my screenwriting teachers he always told me that one of the ways to create uh, compassion and sympathy for a character is to is a 
emotional honesty. You know, so even though this is an entirely different time period with entirely different morals and traditions, they they have a really good way of making us feel for a character, whether it be somebody who's uh, down on their luck, somebody who is in an a oppressive bastard. that too. You know, somebody who's trying to find strength. You know, uh, I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Daenerys. Is that Daenerys. Her? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just her character. You can just see they they make it very evident, mm-hmm. the, like the intricacies of each character. You know, and for that, you feel for them because. Not not because you're in you're in their situation, but you understand where they're coming from. So it's not just you know people talking the entire time. Technically speaking, um, the first scene you see three guys riding up to this uh, south, uh, going north of the wall, and you have one character who is a chauvinistic kind of guy, and then you have this other character who is uh, essentially in this moment the conduit for the audience. And then this other character who doesn't say a lot, but is the older of the three. And uh, they do an incredible job technically creating a contrast between the older one and then the arrogant one. Now, when the arrogant one dies, that's our first, in five minutes, our first like relief, right? In five minutes, they crafted this, our, our first sense of relief. And then you see, the older of the three die. And that's our first heartbreak. That quick, that quick, because they created the contrast that fast. You see one you hate and one you, you feel for, and you know whose side you should be on, and then they wipe them both out, and you're like, in two seconds, yes, and ah. Oh. So I think that's why they're, rare, they're really good at creating technically um, contrasting characters, ones that will fight the other. That really applies to the children too. Every single right. one of the Stark mm. children is completely distinct from each other, yeah. and that's something that yeah. you that you mess up when you first start writing and when you do characters that are close to each other. They have a lot in common, and all these characters are inc- incredibly distinct. And the inner conflict is also really big. Ned Stark, that one great scene where he's thinking about whether to take the job of the Hand of the King, and Catelyn's there discouraging them, and Meister Lewin is there oh. saying that was a different time and everything. Yeah. Great inner conflict. And the gravitas of the characters is also incredible. Uh, Jamie Lannister and the King and uh, Peter Dinklage's character, Tyrion. The great gravitas, really distinct, and a lot of inner conflict. So yeah. the characters are just great like that. And then think of all the things that you don't see coming. There's a really brief scene of the Hound yeah. in there talking with Tyrion, and you have no idea the incredible arc that that character is going to be going on. <laughs> and se- seven years later, he's going to be one of the most complex and interesting characters, I think, in television history. Uh, but well, you know, that you, when you say that, leading off of that, you see when, when the king arrives into the town and, and the family's standing there welcoming the king, you see, a, you see a, a shot of the hound riding. And they cut to a shot of Arya, almost in admiration, looking at him. Right. And then we know where that goes. Right, and there's all this tension built up as the king right. approaches, and he's just like, he got fat, and the air is taken out of the, <laughs> yeah. the whole thing. Right. And also in the, the feast, you know, such a relatable moment. There's a couple of people like hanging outside of the feast, and yeah. it's like it's like when you go home for Thanksgiving, and it's like the uncle and the cousin are outside smoking cigarettes. Like I needed to get out of there for a second, and it's such a relatable. It finds a way to be relatable at the same time. Yeah. It's complete yeah. fantasy, but yeah. it's also 
That's incredible character work that they do. Like the best. I think that's like the really like the true genius of Game of Thrones because you get this time period where people were truly uh, misogynistic and just like hateful and everything, and you're able to add humanity to them to the characters. Because yeah, right, right. I I remember I particularly remember um, hearing when certain characters died, people were kind of mad about that, people were sad about that, and maybe think like, okay, you're able to create compassion for characters that you know are by some means flawed <sighs> by some means flawed in ways that we probably uh -huh. wouldn't accept today uh -huh. but that's again that's the magic of storytelling and i think that they did that almost perfectly to be honest <laughs> yeah and <laughs> stark cuts the head off of a little boy that he's never met before and you still feel sympathy <laughs> yeah, for him right, somehow. right now that's tough right right <laughs> Definitely very high, high concept. concept. Very much. Very. High you, can, concept. you can see all of the symbolisms and everything that's with uh, within the show from even from the first episode. And, you know, since they have seven seasons currently, they expound upon it each and every single time. There is there is so much work put into this that when you when you when you do see it, it's like this moment of euphoria because you're like, oh my god, I didn't realize this. You know. So again, I love I love the fact that they do all that. My understanding of high concept is like the hangover, something that's very simple and instantly gets you to want to see it. So I, I, maybe I've always been confused about what high concept <laughs> means. I don't think this is high concept, huh. but I don't think it has the burden of being high concept because it's based on very popular books. So it already has an audience built in. I could be wrong about this, but it's not easy to explain to someone at all. Right, you have to, right. it's one of those things like you have to just watch it and you have to watch it a while because mm -hmm. you could, you could, you could see the pilot and also be like, ah, oh, this seems confusing. I'm not really sure. It's going to be some political intrigue show set in some fantasy world, but I don't know. I think that I, my understanding of high concept is it's really easy to pitch and, and, and convey and explain. And I don't think that, that, that that's what this is at all. It's hard to com compare this to just about any other show that's out there. So when we say high concept, can we talk about what we mean when we say it so that we, way we can uh, have a little more clarity? <laughs> I, I, I have understood high concept to mean something you could pitch in an elevator and a short elevator ride where the other person instantly knows what you're talking okay. about. All right, I see. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think high concept was like there's dragons and and death and killing and pillaging and magic and all this stuff and so and and it's a very expensive show to make it's so high think, budget concept. high budget concept right <laughs> so yeah I never I never heard of that term high concept as far as like something you can pitch quick that yeah. makes sense something you can pitch quick um, mm. I believe it was what was it nine families five for uh, the Iron Throne I believe that's kind of the gist. Yeah, but even so, if you told me, yeah, it's a show about nine families fighting for an Iron Throne, that wouldn't like, Iron me. Throne? That wouldn't What's that? Me, What's right? an Iron Throne? You know? I mean, fighting in the medieval times sounds pretty dope to me. Yeah. How Are you saying that high concept is based mostly on how quickly you can pitch it? Because a good, a good portion of films, I'm sure, I mean, pitching is subjective, so I'm sure the way I pitch something would be different than the way somebody else pitches something. But I don't think that would take away its conceptual value, would it? Um, again, I keep coming back to The Hangover as an example because that's how this was really explained to me when it, where it made sense. If I said, I'm writing a movie about four guys celebrating a bachelor party in Vegas that wake up the next day and the groom is missing and there's a tiger in the bathroom and a newborn baby in the closet <laughs> and, and I got to go find their friends, you'd be like, oh, okay. And you would, you would get 
oh, that's what the movie is about. You can you can imagine it just right. like that in a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. But this, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's easy to explain to anyone. Even if even if you said nine families going for an Iron Throne, they'd be like, what? Right. Uh -huh. Huh. That's a tough one. <laughs> I feel I feel as though it's very self-explanatory in its in its uh, in the way it's portrayed. You know. Um, then again, I think that is a subjective thing. You know, uh, when you just told me how Hangover sounded, I immediately thought it was gonna be. Uh, it was like a super boring, you know, uh, stoner film. <laughs> no, no, I love, I love the Hangover. I did, but when you had explained it like that, I was kind of like, oh, okay, a series of events happening. But I, I feel as though uh, when you talk about high concept things, I think of the amount of creativity, work, and originality put into a story. You know, so while Hangover is very creative, I think it also is high concept. I just don't put it to how quickly you can pitch it because, you know, quite frankly, pitching is very subjective across the entire board. You know, and a pitch can, I can make Star Wars sound amazing, but in the same sentence, I can make it sound terrible uh. just by the pitch. So I, I don't necessarily think that high concept is based upon how quickly or, or what you say when you pitch it, yeah. necessarily. I think it's an overrated concept anyway. You know, high concept is not <laughs> something that you really need to think about. Just write, yeah. just write, just write a page-turning story. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Creativity. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off with this one. Oh, okay. you, bro. <laughs> so, being introduced to this this world, right? We we automatically get a sense of of where we're at and they have to do this really fast because the show's huge right so they have to hook us as fast as they can and you know you see the gate rise and you see this guy's eyes and then you see his face and you see three guys on horseback lead out to this dire winter wilderness right and they're they're showing cuts of, of the of the land and and we have no idea what they're doing right and suddenly uh, <laughs> We see a bunch of severed body parts in a, a, a very specific formation, and they blame it on a a group of people called the wildlings. So now we're cued in. Okay, there's so there's a group we need to look out for, and uh, there's a bunch of dead bodies. Now that's not the hook. The hook was when they went back and the bodies were gone. Yeah. Now that's where I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, <laughs> what just happened? And where do we go from here? And suddenly we see where these bodies are and come from and then death occurs. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm in. Cause things are moving, things are moving now. So that, that was, that's what I felt. I love writing openings. It's the favorite part of the pilot. It's it's natural habitat. It's, you know, mm -hmm. before anything happens to anyone, you just get to show your protagonist, not in this case, protagonist, but to show them a, just a day in the life as if there was just a, a camera sitting there. And this is really great because you just don't know what's going on. There's so much mystery, but you know it's important because they showed it in the opening. And also, when they show all these enemies, the, the Starks and the Lannisters, one thing they both have in common is they both think the White Walkers have been gone for thousands of years. So every single time they're referenced, or every single time you go back to the Wall, beyond the Wall, or at the Night's Watch, there's all this potential energy building that you know is eventually going eventually gonna to explode onto the scene. 
but no one thinks, no one realizes that these guys are back after thousands of years. There's monsters up there. Everything else is very relatable. It's people, it's politics, mm -hmm. everything's mm -hmm. south of the wall. And there's this cold, snowy world, and there's monsters are back, and they're eventually going to come. Right. And that's I, I, potential energy being just built up that you just, oh my God, when, when are they going to find out about these monsters? What's going what's gonna to happen when they do? And also this beautiful, atmospheric, mm -hmm. first 60 seconds, mm -hmm. they, they utilized where they were shooting and took full advantage of it yeah. and there's no talking and they get all these beautiful tracking shots of them walking through the woods with the perfect gentle snowfall and you're just <laughs> wondering it's the cinematography is uh, incredible and uh what's well, so funny because like uh, you know they they introduce the, the the wildlings like that and then and then we are introduced to an even greater threat in the first 10 minutes like you said and then like you no idea where they're going and then we're at where we're at now, you know. It's crazy. Yeah, and then Stark is the Lord, good. and he knows everything, but he yeah. thinks they're extinct. Right. They right. did very good with the aesthetic. I, I truly felt the contrasting tones, not not just from the opening shot, just like from everywhere, from being in the forest, the snowy forest with the fog and everything. You could feel that they were in a daunting setting. You know, when you see Daenerys, I keep saying her name wrong. I feel like Daenerys. I Daenerys, but. It has a very warm, very warm, inviting tone to it. You know, each each and every single section has its own vibe to it. And I feel like those pictures are worth a thousand words. You know what I'm saying? Again, they don't need much dialogue. I already, already kind of understood the context going in from the first shot because you can feel it. You can feel it from the gate raising up. You can feel it from all the shots that they have. And they, they took a lot of time to be very meticulous with how they communicate their story. You know, Start so many questions though. The little girl too is a huge part mm, of that. Oh so not gosh. only did yeah, they yeah. kill the little girl, <laughs> then she's alive again, and yeah. now you're like, I have so many more questions to ask you than I have answered. It's just right. like, what the hell are these things? <laughs> There's no reference point no. to any other movie no. or story. There's no. The White Walkers aren't just like any other. There's no one to compare them to. Mm -hmm. They put so. you on the level of the characters, as opposed to putting you in this uh, sort of, I could say, high perspective, omniscient perspective, if that makes sense. They put you on the same level of the characters, as in you know just as much as they do. You know, and you're as terrified as they are because it's a force that they never seen. I would say we're more terrified. More terrified. Because probably. we know something they don't know. Something that's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. And it's because of that that in just this first episode, they set the stage. They ask us a million questions, and for each of those questions, we want to know the answer. And they provide stakes that if those questions aren't answered, bad things happen. You know, they did that very well. I think there's a, there's a great complacency they, they put into the characters as well with the White Walkers, you know. It's like the White Walkers have been dead for thousands of years. Like, what are you, what are you freaking out about? Like, why, why do you care? And we just saw them two minutes ago. And they're just like, don't sweat it, guys. And we, we are for them, right? That's the thing about that title, Winter is Coming. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a looming threat that they've set up that's approaching slowly. And as time progresses, along with the other conflicts, they set that up to where now we know that that's coming. So everything that's happening also has this other looming very dangerous threat that's surrounding them essentially i guess you know? to us it's always really meant to be the white walkers are coming yeah and that's yeah, what really, that's right. what that's what that means mm -hmm. and then uh i guess it, it's, it's clever because we know what, the, what they're talking about like when he says that he's when, when ned stark says winter is coming he might be worried about snow 
but we know what's really coming mm -hmm. because we mm -hmm. just saw those monsters. It's and that's, just, that's, that's, that's an funny, awesome opening. Yeah. That's the yeah. funny thing about that is that even in just that opening with just those few scenes right there, they set up the entire series conflict that we feel coming through every single episode. Mm. You know, so that, I think that was, not only was that well done, but they like, it was very strong, a very strong enemy that didn't feel like it was just one force isolated. It felt like it, like something that was looming throughout the entire series. I think, that yeah, didn't feel. I think it's what's interesting about that is too, is, is we get introduced to them so quickly. And then throughout the rest of the series, we get very focused on, on Cersei and what she's, her goals are. And then we get focused on, on the wars and the battles. And they, the White Walkers are always just sitting in the back of our heads, mm -hmm. but we cannot forget about the Viper's kiss, you know, the Serpent's kiss or whatever. We can't, so these, they, they cloud, the writers cloud our judgment with, with all these on the nose issues, political issues that these characters are going through. And then, we have constantly Jon Snow coming back and saying, wait, wait, don't forget, there's a bigger threat. Not only saying that, but they even, if you guys don't mind me uh, putting this in, I believe it was season five or six, there was a particular moment where uh, Jon Snow was escaping from the White Walkers and he had rose a whole, like an entire army up to fight them. Right. And it was, the way, it was like that shot alone, dead silent. Uh, they were out in the snow and just seeing the walkers come up and Jon Snow just barely escaping through a little canoe was just like, whoa. So this this threat's getting closer and closer. Not only that, but they look to be more powerful than ever. Another thing, by putting it in the cold open, by putting it in the beginning like that, right before that incredible opening title sequence, <laughs> you can ignore the White Walkers for four episodes right now yeah, if you want. Yeah, and if the moment right. you go back to them, right. the audience will know, all right, this is important. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, you, because, because you put them in the very beginning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, you had to put them in the yeah, beginning. Right. And then they would, they would end the seasons with the White Walker threat approaching for the first couple. Right. And then as the dragons, spoiler alert, hatch and get bigger, <laughs> and they start ending the season showing the dragons. But, right, right. Yeah, it's it's great putting it in the, in the opening scene like it's that. It's just a little seed. It's just a don't let's just a yeah. tea, let's wet your whistle with this and yeah. then it's creating story arcs. You know, like they made they made multiple story arcs and they just made the White Walkers one that just transcends the entire series and becomes a growing threat throughout the entire but time. It's so, so under it's, the it's, radar. It's so right, under the radar. It's under the radar, but it's like a, a rising tension almost. You know, so that way that when it's truly when like when things get down to it. It's, it's much more impactful. The, the reaction is much more visceral that way. It is for me, at least, when I was watching it, because they really, they really made you feel as though the White Walkers are a threat that could destroy everything. And you I think that's saying? what I'm saying. When, when you introduced the Wildlings have never done something like this, we're automatically, okay, so the Wildlings are bad guys. And then a greater, like they put a, they put a threat in our, in our face and then seconds later, a greater threat on top of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. It took me, I mean, I, I loved the very first episode, but it took me a while because, at least to me, uh, I, I like when action ramps up from the very beginning. You know, get, get, get me started, let's see what's going down. Yeah, so it took me a couple episodes to get in, but when you're in there, you're in there. Yeah, <laughs> it took me some time. Um, it's just like a bag of tea. You just got to let it steep. And uh, I, was not, I was not into this flavor for a while. 
and I just had to, I don't know why, I don't know why, because the dialogue's fine, the, the, the cinematography's great, um, I, I don't need a ton of action, but for some reason it just, it just took me time to get there, and um, by episode four or five of, of season one was when I was like, I think I was really invested in, in the characters' journeys, I think at that point. Um, uh, I think I, I was, I, because I got to know them. I got to know the characters and it, it's a big story with big, big history and big uh, mythology and they have to take the time to explain it to a lay audience and maybe that's why. Um, but once I finally understood the characters, what they were going for, I was like, okay, I'm on board with you. You know, in a two hour film, for example, you have to do that in the first 10 pages. You know, you gotta get the audience on board with this protagonist and you have a little more time with the series to do that. And I think maybe that's just why for me. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't remember exactly how many episodes before I really was like, okay, this is, this is gonna be something really special. But mm -hmm. I think by the time they got down to King's Landing and sort of illuminated the rest of the board right. and you got to see Varys and Littlefinger and yeah. this whole nother location and everything started to go sort of south and you realize that Jamie, Jamie and, and, <laughs> and Eddard are going to become really, you know, significant rivals and they eventually have a little confrontation and then, you know, it, it kind of hits the fan after a couple of episodes. You're like, whoa, yeah. something really, it really up pretty, bad pretty is going to happen. Picks up pretty quick. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, when I first saw this, like when I first saw this, my expectation was a little different than it actually was. I expected something. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was a big anime watcher, so I expected people to get like I don't know slashed in half or something like that. They do. They do. They do. And here's the thing: when that happened, I was just crazy for it. But I expected like some crazy like supernatural stuff to happen, and it didn't. But with what they have. I think that they really, really like push the bar up in terms of like TV show cinematography, set design, all those elements I think were done in a way that was just cinematic each and every single episode, mm -hmm. you know? There was a big, uh, later on in the first season, there's a, uh, a fight for Tyrion's life yeah. in the Eyrie. Uh, right, the right. Door. And that's one of the ep scenes in the show that's like, whoa. Oh, yeah. I, I, okay. She, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. she can get okay, real yeah. in two seconds. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember a moment when I, 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 I realized, the, like, I was really in for a treat. I, uh, it's this, it's, I think it may be, maybe episode three or something, but Jamie is talking to his dad for the first time. And you see his dad mm -hmm. butchering a, a, a stag. Uh -huh. And and the whole time he's talking about taking over the kingdom and he's filleting this stag and I was like, well, if that's not foreshadowed, I don't know what is. Exactly. And at that moment, I was like, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And he says, uh, Charles Dance. I mean, talk oh. about talk about an actor with gravitas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says we could build a dynasty that could last. A th he says dynasty yeah. instead dynasty, of dynasty. dynasty. Yeah, uh, that could last a thousand years, or we could crumble and become years. nothing. And by then, you hate the Lannisters. Yeah, you're like, I want to watch to watch them become nothing. I want to watch them all get killed. Yeah, you just despise the Lannisters at that point. But that's another good point. Right, uh, another right. Like, incredible but, character. But, but you believe them at that when he's butchering this stag and he says that you're like. Oh, they're really gonna do this. Yeah. They they really can do this. And Jamie's like, I could care less what people think of me. And Charles Dance is like, and uh, Tywin's like, No, that's what you want people to think about you. <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's, right. The writing is so incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of attention to style and um, 
character. Again, I feel like this story, the, uh, this entire series is focused on the character. So everything that everything that people do says something about them, and I think everything almost foreshadows something else. So if you pay attention, you can learn a lot about a character just from what they say. Do you guys think that some of the characters are a bit on the nose? Like we know that I mean, Littlefinger's name is Littlefinger, and he's slimy. And and do you think like you know, the whole time you like? Are there any redeeming qualities about Littlefinger or even Cersei? Like. You know that she loves her kids and her family, but we also know that she is the villain. Like, are there any redeeming qualities about some of the characters, or are they kind of on point or on nose? Uh, no. No? Uh, what do you mean redeeming qualities? Re oh, okay, okay. Cersei's, Cersei loves her kids. That's the one thing that, you know, she, right. she cares about her family. But since we're on the subject, speaking of loving kids, I gotta bring something up. Catelyn Stark yeah. is still shooting dirty looks at Jon Snow. Snow. 17 <laughs> years, years later? later? I mean, yeah. the well, first time you just get <laughs> over it and be like, yeah, I love you. Him. You know, like, <laughs> right. you eat dinner with this guy every right. day? Or do you, right. like, that was still one... holding on. Like, in the first, in the, in the pilot, they made sure to include the, a scene yeah. of Jon, like, slowly looks right, up right. and she's like, that was, that was some exposition. Out, I'm like, I, if I was him, I'd be like, still? Still? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, how long are you going to hold a grudge? That was some exposition that I felt was, could have been done a, a bit differently. Yeah. It was a little, little, I was like, okay, obviously she hates. Now we don't know why, but it's like. Yeah, that's the one thing that bothers me <laughs> yeah, about that, that whole thing. Oh, and why is Jamie such a jerk to Ned? I, I don't get that either. Like, they're both soldiers, like. Why is he? Jamie's just like, "Hey, doing Ned?" He's like the Regina George and, and <laughs> right. Girls. That's like, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like, leave me alone. I'm trying to get the class. Do you think some of those in the pilot were a bit on nose, so that an audience could grab? Okay, this is the guy because it's so right. big. That's oh, the guy we yeah, need to was... follow. That's a bad guy. That's a good guy. There's a lot going on. Um, I, he's a jerk. He's not a jerk. Do you right. think they did that on purpose? Yeah, the Catelyn John the sneer was a really, really blatant one, and also for the audience. And they focus on John, and they don't give any time to Robin Theon. You don't find Absol out uh, uh, no. nothing. No, there's nothing no. going on with Robin Theon at all. Right, you, you can definitely tell like who the uh, good guys and bad guys are, though. But could they've done it differently? Differently, or um, or did it need to be that quick for us? I think that it was good the way they did it because. I mean, again, a lot of attention to character. So each and every single character, you can tell what their motivations are and what their aspirations are just by the looks on their face. Right, right. But could they have in. done it in a way that was less on the nose? No, less you had nose. so much exposition you mm -hmm. needed to get out. They right. did it as good as they could. Okay. Because yeah. think of the the, the, Viserion, uh, the uh, Viserys and Daenerys right. conversations. They had to explain home was taken yeah, for them. Right. They both want to go back. He's been waiting for 17 years. Mm -hmm. You know... Uh, the Targaryens, the rightful heirs, you know, he, the king says they're not all dead, and then you cut to Daenerys, so you know. So yeah. they had to get so much information No, and, and, out. and as far as verbal exposition with the dialogue, that, that I get, because there's a lot of stuff, but with, with some of the shots or some of the characters being so <laughs> apparent, you know, you know Jamie's a jerk. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know it. Yeah, you have to. I, I think yeah, that, um, I think they in terms of that, like, the exposit, like, uh, exposition, I think that's one of those uh, David Fitcher things where they do it in a way that seems very unobtrusive. I think it's totally obtrusive. 
Really? It I, is. That, 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 that it is. is. Yeah. You have to find a way to hide it. You think it, you think it pulls you out of the store? Yeah. Once you once you notice it, you notice it. Go yeah. see Aquaman, okay? And th- because there's no setup to it, they have to be like back in the day. And these are the seven things, and this is the rule, and this is the plan, and this is this is what we have to do. And it's a conversation that two people that that need to that know each other would never have. Right. Like, right. You would already know this. You would have already yeah. had this conversation long ago. It's but, uh, the, you know, and Blake like Snyder called it the Pope in the pool. Uh, thing it's it's you have to dump exposition in yeah. a clever way, right. and I think they given how much they had to they had to re- do a bunch of reshoots yeah, and stuff. Right. In my understanding, right. uh, I disagree in the sense that I feel like uh, the way they did their exposition made sense for each of the instances. So it wasn't just like you know just some random time where someone was just explaining all these things. The, again, the conversations. I think we're weaved in a way that made exposition both necessary oh, yeah. and understandable. They and really did a good job in the um, showing Sansa at the beginning. She's mm-hmm. really, really good mm-hmm. at needlepoint. So you get right. that she's a lady and she's happy with it. And then if you pan to Arya, her, hers is hardly complete. And <laughs> yeah. she's like giving Sansa a dirty look. Mm-hmm. And then she sneaks outside to shoot arrows. And then you get... That she's she a tomboy right. with anything. So, so, so that's need, what I'm you saying. Don't need to, you don't need to show Arya going, I don't care about being a lady and all that stuff because you've you just showed shown it. it with the action. In contrast oh, yeah. or something. Right, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Obviously, expedition with action is, is always the best. But that, I mean, it was very on the point. This Sansa is the lady and Arya is the tomboy and the rough and tough kid. And um, did we need to see it so apparent or could we have learned that over time? Some of it you do learn over time. Right. But uh, like... Ned is it is a, is about to kill five puppies in the middle like it's nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right yeah, he's a kind and compassionate father who's just has no compunction whatsoever about slaughtering a bunch of young wolves in the just just to spare them pain later. So, you, you that's an action that yeah, shows absolutely. that shows who he is. Right, I see. Yeah. Um, yes, they definitely did. Just from that, they definitely did exposition perfectly in this. You know, they did, they did it in a way that didn't seem odd or jarring by any means. Hmm. Just, just from that, just from what y'all explained. And they did, a, they did it with gossip, too. When Jamie shows up, Arya says to Sansa, that's the twin yeah. brother. Right, right. Of the she says, will you shut up? Right. That's another good way. So you have sisters bickering, and in their bickering, you show exposition with right. Jamie. And then right. they do the same thing with uh, Tyrion when he's in bed with the prostitute. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she's like, I heard that he, the son of the king is a little lecher with all sorts of <laughs> proclivities, and yeah. he's like, I'm also clever, and that's another way of showing yeah. it. But right, they had so much expo- you so know, much to, to, yeah, to get out, yeah. and they did a really good job hiding it. Right, and that's I guess why o- over over seven seasons, I mean, obviously you get to know these characters, and in a pilot you don't know if it's going to get picked up, so you have to do it in a, the, the best way possible in a pilot so that it does get picked up, but. When Robert's in the crypt looking at Liana, he's, mm-hmm. he, he looks at her with all this pain in his eyes, and he right. says, I kill him every night in my dreams. Yeah. So you don't have to have somebody saying, Robert killed Rhaegar in the field right, because right, of right. this. All you know is that little piece of information, I, killed it, I kill him every night in my dreams. You know, something, nice. something, somebody that hurt her, he, he murdered, and that's another good way of getting exposition out yeah. while you're also doing something else, which is you know, mourning over somebody right, that you love. Right, right. That's a brilliant way of hiding mm-hmm. exposition, perfect, too. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, they did exposition perfectly in this. I, I definitely think so. Daenerys. Brand. The king. The, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the characters I love, I love right away is Brand. And uh, uh, the reason being is uh, out of all the Stark kids, he's, the, I, th- I believe, the first one we see uh, shooting the arrow. Mm-hmm. And um, 
we know that he is the three-eyed raven and we know that he sees all, right? And in the first episode, we're seeing through his eyes, you know, bring Bran with us to the beheading. Don't look away, you know? He's the conduit for us in this first, in this first episode. And um, we are watching this beheading through a 10 years old, through 10 year old Bran's eyes. Not only that, but at the end of the episode, we see this act of incest, this incestuous act through Bran's eyes, right? So everyone, like, when I first saw us, I was like, oh, Jon Snow's the protagonist? I thought Bran was the protagonist. But I realized I just set up his character. He's the one who sees everything. He literally, that's his character. So I love Brand right away. I love Daenerys because they, uh, they show, even in the few scenes she, that she had, they showed her strength through adversity. You know, even though, even though uh, in the scene they kind of show her as being a very subdued and just oppressed individual. And again, maybe I'm a little biased because I've seen her grow throughout the seasons, but I think that they showed that she's a person who uh, knows how to show strength through suffering. You know, and I always treasure that in characters, characters who are strong-willed and become better, even though shit's pretty, pretty, pretty terrible for them. You know what I'm saying? I think Ned, probably, and, and the king. The king's a lot of fun. Now that you look back at the pilot, Jon Snow had the classic, all the symbols of the classic protagonist, uh, underdog. But uh, you thought instinctively that it was Ned that was going to be the main character mm. for all eight seasons. And he's got the, the tough inner on conflict, man of principle, definitely an accomplished soldier at the same time and a great fighter. But and the king is just fun. You know, <laughs> his, his, you know, he gets on off the horse, wants to go to the crypt and his wife is like, well, they can wait. And he just completely ignores her. And, you know, I'm going to drink my way to an early grave, just admits it. But you know that he won the throne by force. So he... He's, you know, he's a badass at the same time. Yeah. Um, great casting. Uh, oh, yeah. And the, All the, the performances are grand. Yeah, this. the actors that they got in this. Um, Lena Headey is one of the, is incredible as Cersei. And, <laughs> um, you just hate her. And, and you know, Nicholas Costa-Walzo is Jamie. And, you know, Peter Dinklage is great. Um, <laughs> as for the, act, uh, the way the acting was done, the performances, I keep talking about Daenerys just because she's my favorite character in this. But I'm just saying... In the little scenes that she had, there were moments where they would just show her face, and you could just see, you know, her her own inner conflict. You could just see the subtext that she's giving you, just through her eyes. And I think that in terms of performance, that's probably the best I've seen in a while. And she does interesting. She does that in each episode that she's in, so that just shows the amount like the uh, the amount of skill that was put into this, you know. She lowers herself into the really hot bath they have the steam coming yeah, off of it yeah, at the beginning water. i missed that the first time i yeah, saw it no, 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 <laughs> like, you don't want to it's too hot yeah, yeah. That, was, she she it. that was she one thing i yeah. remember remember mostly because i was like why is she doing that oh she okay. can. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was just a figure of speech. You don't want no, to wake the dragon. You don't no, want to make me mad. No, I was no, like, maybe I should no. start using that line. But uh, <laughs> I didn't know they meant it literally. Well, it's great in the, at this season too. Uh, just a little touch on that. You know, she could get in the scalding hot water and not be affected by it. And you think it's because she's so scared that she just wants to numb herself to the pain that she's about yeah. to feel. That's not what it is. Oh, yeah. she's, she, she, she's not feeling the heat, right? She's she's the blood of the dragon, right? And uh, strange, strange and then you see see the brother get the, the the molten gold crown and it burns his flesh. Alive. And he can't he can't take he can't take the heat. And the, literally, and, uh, that was one of the best best scenes ever and then afterwards he closes on her and she says he was no dragon yeah, he's no, no dragon, dragon. but yeah. uh, 
And that was another good exposition dump that we were talking about before. When you see Khal Drogo and he just whispers to her, you know, no one's ever cut his hair off because he's never been defeated. Uh, I just want to throw that in there as the, the way they, you don't see anything from Drogo, but you just know, no, you hair. know the that he is presence. his most badass guy, the but he doesn't presence. say a word except the word no, like no. three times <laughs> with her. Uh, but, you know, they do a great job of setting up characters and you know that there's so much more beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. There was a particular attention that I noticed um, for Jason Momoa's character that really showed him, even though he was in this very 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 few times but it was just when he was there you felt his presence and i think that was done excellently through score he had tension or he created attention he created attention okay. an atmosphere well, yeah. of, i guess you could say fear yeah 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 i think that was like the, the way the score was done the way the settings were made and the way that they framed him i think that all served that purpose and it was done to perfection to be honest because i truly felt like he was a villainous spirit in that, in that sense. Now think about this though. So many of the great characters aren't even in the story yet. There's, yeah, no, yeah. there's no Oberyn. Oh, there's yeah. no Stannis. Oh, yeah. There's no Melisandre or Littlefinger. No, no, no. Yeah, I haven't even met any of Bronn. And the Hound is, is, my, is pretty much my favorite character. So and good. he looks like he's so unimportant that he's in the background right yeah. now. So many yeah. of the best characters we haven't even met yet. Uh-huh. They, 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 I noticed they did that with uh, Daenerys again. They... Um, there's a scene where her brother and some other guy was talking and she was sitting in the background just completely out of focus. You know, if, if you notice that, they do that quite a bit. What did that mean to you? Well, to me, it showed her uh, how subdued she was, her mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. lack of power that she mm-hmm. had. And then as time progresses and she becomes more strong, she becomes more in focus. Right. Not only that, she becomes more powerful. And, you know, that, that just little thing I noticed and I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that really shows growth through both character and story. Yeah, the Hound, too. They, they show him when the, uh, the king first pulls up. They just one quick close-up of him yep, with the Hound it, mask, pulling up his mask, just right. showing you his face. And then a very, very quick conversation with him later with Tyrion, which I didn't even remember happened until I just <laughs> saw it right now. But the Hound has more lines than Rob and Theon in, yeah. the, in the pilot. Yeah. yeah. So they, they were setting him up to become something important. Big, yeah. And now you see, like, oh, they did set that up to become important. Because if the dragon eggs aren't going to hatch, why would you even have them as part of the story right, to get to Daenerys? Right, right. If they were just going to hang up on the wall forever. <laughs> now I realize it should have been obvious that they were going right, to Right, right. But at the time, I thought it was just a wedding gift. Yeah. You know, I, totally... <laughs> I kind of felt that that was going to happen just because I was like, okay, medieval times, they have eggs. Oh yeah, those are definitely gonna hatch. Something's gonna happen. They can't just let those be there. It has, mm-hmm. Something has to pop off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, some. Uh, I'll I'll say that for later. Cersei. Character. I don't hate her right away. Jamie. I think he's annoying. I hate the well, king. Well, he pushed a little kid out of a window. That's not enough for you that, to no, that's hate true. him. No, that's true. That's true. I yeah. hate the king just because of the king. way. Yeah, look at this guy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he, I see that. I see that. Disgusting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who disgusting. would be more fun to drink with than he's that fun guy? To drink oh, yeah. with, but, fun but to he's drink a with. dick. Yeah, man. Definitely. I'll drop see, it. I I say, <laughs> but he's a dick in a good way. Jamie is a dick no, in a prince charming. I'm gonna drink and whore my way to an early death. Come on. Come on, man. What's like, wrong here's, with that? Here's what's so great about this. You see this king right up, and Cersei, you don't know Cersei right away, the first image you see of her. 
you know, you see her, her brood of a husband brush her off and, and well, you know, I'm gonna go mourn my long lost love. It's like, he's a dick. And yeah, she's she, a bitch. She, she but should not be right away. She asked Sansa, have you bled yet? A 13 year old girl she's never that, met that, before? That's a political question. No. That's a political question. It totally is political at that I think it's moment. pretty much a medical question. No, no, and not a, to mention that, a pretty personal time. question. They're both time. assholes, I'm not gonna lie. Not a political King, question. I think Cersei's all right in the beginning. Maybe you thought politics differently than I do. But uh, they both gotta be stabbed. That's what I think. I, I, Cersei and Jamie are the ones that I don't like. Even before the wow. last scene. Wow. Yeah. No. no the I, King. I can't. I can't. I can't. And Sansa. Not a fan of Sansa. I love Sansa. Everyone gives her such a hard time. I'm talking about the pilot. Okay. The pilot. Well, yeah, but she's a perfect 14 year old girl. I mean, not that I know. I've never been a 14 year old girl, but I've had sisters, and I'm. I'm supposed. She's been primed to be the queen her whole life. She's being married off to the prince. She's coming into her own as this young child. Back then they got married a lot younger and she's, all she can think about is, is boy bands and, and cute boys and that's, that's Being queen, queen of the world. Being queen of the world. She's a perfect the 14 year old girl. Hey, you don't show. like her character? I love her character. Okay, I, I like, love what? it. She's perfect as, as she yeah. should be. No, the king she's is just trash. little brat. <laughs> well, what 14 year old is Arya? 14. Arya's not a whiny little brat? Arya is, an exception. <laughs> well, not even an exception. She's a different story. <laughs> She's nine. Her, her motivation is much, much different. She's a much, I guess you could say, darker character in a sense, where she's not so prim and proper like her sister is. Yeah. And I like that about her. In, in like, I think episode two, when she's learning how to sword fight or dance, and he's like, well, well Ned's like, we're going we're gonna to get you in some lesson. And she's like, no, that's not me. Yeah. Like, like be so self-aware <laughs> at nine years old. Mature. You, know? you, you see the maturity in the character, and that's why I like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What character do I hate? Though? Yeah, I dislike the king, I think. Um, guys are crazy. The king's awesome. He, yeah, but you can, I still dislike oh, him. Um, are we talking about just from, from the first episode? Yeah, first because, episode. Oh, never mind. I was about to say Joffrey. But well, yeah, I mean, Joffrey's obviously... I'm not going to lie to you. I actually... <laughs> this is one of those weird things with me. I actually liked Joffrey. And I was kind of sad when he died because I was like, yo, dude's a savage. I want to see somebody go head to head with this guy when, he's, no, like, when, he's, a, when he's an adult, straight up. Oh, I, he, would, he would be so, he'd blow on him. Weekly. Weekly, to brush him with a feather, he's done. Come yeah, on. no, no, no. I wanted, to, I wanted to see him like grow up and be like much stronger. Oh, he wouldn't and have actually been. be. No, nah, I, I, feel, I feel like Coward. he was. Coward. Really? Oh. Yeah. I feel like oh, if you yeah. get somebody like that, it's like that type of power, they'll, they'll be like a beast. No. We find out when the dog attacks him and he's like bends down and starts crying and that's why the, yeah, the hound's yeah. got to kill how, the butcher's how boy. Dude, though? How old is dude? Like, what, 14, 15 maybe? Yeah, doing dude's like a good 28, bro, he'd be a savage. No, Cutting he won't. Down. No, he won't. Just no. Cut no. Inbred, recessive genes. <laughs> he's going no to be just as much of a wuss as, as Daenerys' know, brother. He was a bit of a savage the entire right, well. time. I, give, I, give dude unlimited power, bro. Come on. Joffrey seems <laughs> likable at the beginning, right? Oh, not at all. Right, right, right here. Him, but, um, Still got that look in his eye. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah sick look. Yeah, shady. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted him to survive. I wanted him to live and be more wow. savage. It's one of those weird things. I feel I, bad. I don't think, but we, like, I, I don't think he, he has a savage bone in his body. You know who I hate? The the first ranger who told everyone to get back on their horses. The first guy to get killed. Yeah, I didn't like right. him very much. Right, the like, one that was the first kill. That was what I'm saying. The first kill. Yes, done. Yeah. <laughs> get back on your horses. <laughs> um, yeah, he I looked think. a little like Matt Damon, didn't he? I wonder if he's still mm. like eight years later. Yeah, he's he like, I was in the me. opening scene of Game of Thrones. Do you remember? I'm like, no, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Look it up right here. 
No, I didn't like Cersei. That was wow. my that was my number one. Okay, well, we can disagree. <laughs>
I'm retired. You know, we won the war. I'm yeah. going to hang with my wife until I'm, yeah. uh, I'm dead here. But he had my kids. to. You're right. He, he had to. They set him up as being a man of honor. That he had to do he it. Wouldn't have done it. Even if he wanted, didn't want to and his wife didn't want to, he would have. He I don't think he did want to. He, the king is his best friend and he mm-hmm. still kneels when he, when, he, when he walks in and he kneels when he's offered the job. Ned is a... Uh, Penitent, is yeah. that the right yeah, word? Yeah, a good word. Uh, man, and he's he's yeah. taking that job. Really, you're watching the king and you're watching Ned, and it's like, why is Ned not the king? And why is this king, the, why is he Robert the king? I did and always it, ask that question. Well, I mean, Ned never wanted it. Just like John. John never doesn't want it. Ned never wanted it. Well, Robert also killed the current king. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then Cersei mentions later to him in the show, uh, you, you could have just climbed up the steps and taken the throne yourself. But Ned's not a power-hungry guy. No, he's not. He's not. I don't think he wanted to. He had to, but you know, morally, I I wish he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of those things where, I mean, a gruesome act, of course, but I think that it showed his ability to show, it shows his priorities, what he prioritizes, Mm -hmm. his land, his people, and he's not gonna let somebody, even if that person Maybe telling the truth, he's not gonna let somebody stand stand in the way of that. It's just the law, means, you know? Yeah, he's a, definitely a man of honor, which I guess I can understand that as to why he would cut the guy's head off. But you know, uh, it still shows that he's an imperfect character. It also accomplishes so much story wise because we learn all about the Night's Watch without ever ever having right, to right. see them up there. We know yeah. that the rules are are being a, being a deserter is execution. We know that the White Walkers exist, and now somebody south of the wall has been told about them. And we know that Ned will will, will kill someone and, and carry out his duty, even you know, even though he's a, a good father and a good person. So yeah. it's a it's a scene that accomplishes a lot for mm-hmm. the story. It's really mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. I like the 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 boy who who gets his head chopped off. He just looks. He says, "I'm sorry," um, and you can tell at that moment he's like, "I'm okay dying." Like, I totally felt from the actor, I'm okay dying after what I just saw. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to live through this. Yeah, <laughs> it was yep. creepy. Yeah, he, he, he got off easy. Yeah, 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 he did. Well, who's the antagonist? If, okay, so if, if we're looking, if we're following Brand, for my, my, my example, if we're following Brand through this, this episode, who, are, who is the one that we're rooting against or who's going directly against Brand? And maybe Brand isn't the protagonist, maybe he's just the eyes through which we see it, and that is the protagonist. Maybe you're right there. Um, there's, there's a few. I mean, Jamie. I think that Jamie. I think that the main antagonist that they set up definitely has to be the White Walkers because yeah. while there while, yeah. yeah. while there is conflict between the families and whatnot, mm-hmm. the White Walkers seem to take uh, seem to reign supreme over the entire tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. It's, I think it's because of that that you're kind of like, yo. Is this gonna happen next episode? A couple of episodes down, you know that that way you're already thinking about them. But it again with the whole tension thing, they don't bring it back up for a couple more episodes. Right. You know they, when they do huh. it, it's so small, and so for that reason, I could say that they're they're the antagonists because you know that you know what's coming. You know what's coming, and the fact that they said winter is coming in the name of the episode, and they say it in the episode, just uh, lets you know that more. Well, you know, if, if we think about the antagonist being just in direct opposition of, of the protagonist's wants and goals, you could really think that the king's the antagonist as well because Ned does... I, I really don't think Ned wants to go down. I really don't think he does. I think he wants to remain in King's Landing with his... Or not King's Landing, uh, up north with his family. And then the king 
is asking him to do something, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't have to. And he's in direct uh, uh, opposition with what Ned, I think, really wants internally. So maybe the king's also an antagonist. I think they set Jamie up. The first thing we we know from Jamie is that he never worries about anything. Mm-hmm. He's just like, you know, uh, talking to his sister in the shadows in the corner, and they they obviously right, have a secret. Right. Then you know everything about him. He looks just like Prince Charming in in, in Shrek. Shrek. Yeah, <laughs> who's definitely and and they share a lot of qualities too. But he uh, he's he's right in Ned's face all the time, you know, for no reason. Yeah, and I think that they set him up. And then obviously mm-hmm. with the last shot, you know, throwing the little boy off of the right. castle, that right. was set Jamie up to be the antagonist. <laughs> mm. Um, mm. one thing that I noticed that they did, and this is particularly why I uh, go towards the uh, White Walkers as opposed to anything else, is because there's a clear dichotomy between the White Walkers and every other human. Of course, all the people have their own conflicts, but you see sprinkles of bad people and good people in each faction, essentially. Whereas the White Walkers are holistically a negative force. Mm -hmm. Just their appearance has its own style to it. And so for that, I I can just tell just from a visual standpoint that this is clearly not somebody who's working to the character's favor by any means. Right, if you think about the, the episode itself, um, and obviously over overall you can say, yeah, Jamie's the clear antagonist or being set up overall, but if you think just the episode, um, you look at Arya and, and Sansa, and Arya's the antagonist to Sansa, and Sansa's the antagonist to Arya. I mean, she freaking throws food at her face, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they are totally opposite, right? And they bicker. and. And so even uh, Jon Snow and, and, and Catelyn, mm-hmm. you know, each other's antagonists, you know? And so if, if we're looking at episodes, there's a lot of individual antagonists to each protagonist. But um, overall, right now, you, you may be right about Jamie being set up that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And think about how that changes. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> the, that, that's, yeah. the, that's the true genius <laughs> of, right. of the uh, show. There are a lot of things to love about the show, but the long-term character arcs or something so i've never amazing. felt the way that i feel yeah, about jamie after watching this episode and the way you feel about him now and then later I, I, oh. I, 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 I mean, it's like i hate you and i love you and i hate uh, myself that i love you yeah I, that was that blew me away uh, i think that's one of the like interesting things about it is because in all honesty there's no reason to like any of these characters they all do despicable things at some point <laughs> but you still do you know, and I think again that's the magic of storytelling because especially nowadays with all this that we got, we can still feel compassion for people that do things that are completely horrific. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's I love the way that they're able to do that, have that effect on people across the entire world that we all like somebody or a couple people who are also terrible <laughs> at the same time. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Everyone's the protagonist in their own story and you know. One character that never does anything despicable is Hodor. Hodor! But we never meet him in this episode. <laughs> we see him. We see him one yeah. time. Is he? He's, yeah. in it? He's in the line. He's oh. in the line when, they, when the king meets Hodor. Yeah, he doesn't do anything Talk bad. Talk about another heartbreaking one. Uh, what a Beautiful lovely guy. guy. What a lovely guy. Ah, Hodor. Yeah. We, we miss you. <laughs> <laughs> When I think back to this first episode, the first scenes I think of obviously are uh, the the dismembered bodies in that formation, and then those body parts are gone. That's a that's a trigger. Uh, the decapitation, first decapitation, I think is a big one. Um, uh, the first rape, 
with Daenerys. That's that's a really strong moment. Uh, it's tough to get through. Yeah. Um, I, I, what's interesting about that uh, cinematically is the sun's going down in her world and and in her life. It's the first time it's taken from her, and the sun is literally going down behind her. And I thought that was just a pretty creative touch. Um, the scene of to be honest, any scene with Daenerys, but particularly the one where she's like going inside the boiling water pool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like that one just has so much, so much to say about it. About her, just yeah, yeah, about just her character in general, mm -hmm. just from that little scene. Yeah, yeah. You know? And if, if, again, her, her performance was amazing for that, but it, it certainly showed what I said again. I love her strength through adversity, type of thing. The Dothraki wedding. Yeah. People yeah. getting killed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ned deciding whether or not to take the job. Mm -hmm. um, and the and the ending. I mean, that's a, that's a great ending. The Dothraki right wedding there, was Because so it funny sets up the two gigantic pieces of information are given to you right at the end. There's an incestuous relationship, the, the, the queen and her twin brother, and they uh, pushed the youngest son of their house guests not out the of youngest, the window. Not the youngest, second youngest. Sec oh, thank you. Second youngest out of the house guest, out of the out of the window, uh, potentially killing him. So that's a big one. Yeah. And I remember going back and pausing on the White Walkers because you thought that they were people at the beginning. Right. The, only, the real, real distinction is the ice I, blue I, eyes. I, but if not, you just thought that these were people living in the woods, and you, the the eyes are the only thing that cue you that they're like alien or something mm -hmm. else. Because mm -hmm. when oh, he mentions them as White like Walkers, you don't know that they're not just people. You know, right. so but you, if if it wasn't for the eyes, you 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 wouldn't you might not even know that at all. Isn't their skin like just, very yeah, much so frost, pale? Frostbitten. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I thought that they like make it made a point to show that this that their skin. Uh, it gets to that good. point over time. Yeah, it gets to that point. The, yeah, they the show. Them I, don't, I don't know if it was shown later. like that in the first episode. Was nah, it? Not too bad. Not too bad. No, they don't show them as much detail. They're in a lot of shadows and yeah. stuff. You don't see them like as clearly as you see the Night King in later no, right. later seasons. But right. Right. yeah, that's it. Those are the three. I feel like the editing in this one was so seamless, seamless to the point where nothing seemed to hang on for too long. If anything, because of the beauty of this world, I feel like they should have held on a little longer just because every scene was just set up so beautifully. All the snow scenes, even, even the terrifying ones. The forest, the uh, misty sort of plain that they were on in the hills. You know, I feel like I actually kind of want to see a little more, but the, edit, mm. the editing done in this was very, very seamless to me. And I don't think that they had any moments where they were holding on for too long. I don't know if that's what you guys saw, but I definitely felt as though there is a flow that carried me throughout the entire flow. thing. What do you think? I don't think, I don't, nothing stands out as yeah. them really make, having a too long of a scene. It was pretty long when the king came in with everybody and the, and the mm. greeting and then uh, the banquet scene with them all having dinner and the scene outside was, uh, but I don't know if I'd criticize it as being too long. I don't know if I would really, again, the, Catelyn shooting daggers at Jon Snow at the end of that scene was just a little bit like, what the hell is going on there? But I understand why they did it. They needed yeah. to establish that Jon yeah. is, is not like the others, right. their other children. Yeah. But I can't think of one that actually went on too long. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's a scene that was uh, that dragged or or wore me out. Um, yeah, it all seems to concise. flow very well. A lot one of the biggest <laughs> questions. The a biggest lot. questions. Uh, <laughs> and I'm trying to speak uh, like in the sense that I'm first like first watching this because I've already seen the entire thing so it's hard for me to just form those questions again 
But um, a question I did have was, I think I have a lot of questions yeah, to be honest. <laughs> What's a white walker? What's a white walker? That's a good one. What's a white walker? Are they human beings? Is that kid? Where dead? do they come from? <laughs> How come no one knows that they're back? Uh, what do you mean thousands of years ago they're, right. they're, they were dead? How did that yeah, happen? What's that's a wild true. wing? Yeah. What's the Night's Watch? Yeah. I will <laughs> say one, one thing that did um, made me think though was when he pushed that kid off of the balcony, my first initial thought was, you're pretty close with his family. They're going to know you did something like that. Mm. You know, I feel like that I feel like that was something that I was kind of like, eh, was that really the best decision for him to make right there? But yeah, I mean, that, that was yeah. one thing, something, that was something that just bewildered me when I first uh, watched it, though. Um, I think they do a really good job with modernizing the language uh, because it's so... Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> that, it's such a specific time period, right? But we understand things and they, they talk with vernacular that uh, that blends really well so for, for us. So I feel like I'm there because I, I get how they're saying things on, on top of the visuals of this fantastic world. Um, but as far as like, I mean, there's millions of cliffhangers, millions in this first episode. I don't know. They I couldn't even scene, pick they, one. They said the entire scene up in that episode. And that's why I say that's one of the best pilots I've seen. All of them, really. You know, of all the pilots, that's probably the best one to me. Some of the words are the same in their world as it is in ours, and some are slightly different. Yeah. Like they call a deer a stag. Yeah. Right. But but, but they both have they have lemons, lemon cake there. Lemons, right. Like some of the words are the same and some are different. Mm -hmm. And that would have been a really interesting you know, a bunch of decisions, no, or no. maybe tedious and annoying bunch of decisions. Where, where art? Where art thou, Arya? Where's Arya? Yeah, why do they call a sword a sword? Why yeah. is that the exact same word yeah. for them as it is for but, us? But I think it, it helps us to to blend right. into the character, the the story a bit better. Um, you already yeah. have things like sigils and how, yeah. and everything, which is all so the different. names. The names are big enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a million questions. <laughs> there's a lot no, of questions. There's a lot of questions. <laughs> you help, you help me win the throne. <laughs> when? How? What? What, is that? what? Yeah. Did, did, yeah. did they even mention the Mad King in the first episode? No. 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 Meant, okay. He said you helped me win the throne to help me keep the damn thing. But right, right. there's no talk of how that happened. Yeah. And um, I kill him every night in my dreams, dreams? when, they, when the king says right? that. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, uh, But you, you knew when barely enough, you know, you knew that somebody who's talking about had to be the one that killed or hurt the person that he's mourning in the crypt. But uh, yeah, there's just... It has, you, they have to have those questions though. Otherwise, if we had the answer so soon, it's just like, what's the point? So exactly. The, the reason there are so many questions is so that we will continue. Right. You have to meter out just enough information yeah. to the audience where they're not so confused that it's distracting and you can't enjoy the story. Yeah. But they, they built, have to keep a bunch of mysteries. They built in from the very beginning of the episode the big question is what's going on with the, with the monsters up north of that? What's that giant ice wall? Where, right. What's going on with that? And um, looking back now, how did that kid get through the deserter of the Night's Watch? How did he get through the wall and all the way down south? That's right. That's south right. Without going through he the Night's to, Watch at all. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. that. That's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question. He had to have passed through the one entrance. He thought about going back to the Night's Watch and it's decided to just keep running. Miles long was on the Oh, another question. Why didn't they kill him? He saw the he saw the White Walkers. They can obviously outrun him. Everybody. Why did the and the kid fell to his knees, staring at them. And I thought he's dead. He's I dead. thought the fade out. He's I thought dead. the fade to black yeah. was his death. Yeah. 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 Oh, you're right. right. And then later on, uh, seasons later, Sam 
is out there and sees the White Walkers passing him, the army, like mm-hmm. in the end of season, I think two or maybe three, and there's a close-up of White Walker's face, right. and Sam is right there with the army of the dead, and I was like, <laughs> they must have killed Sam. No, nope. nope. they just leave it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they always leave one behind to Man. tell the tale or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, fast Why didn't they kill the kid, and what That's the heck so are right. those monsters? Yeah, it's so yeah, right. probably shit. Yeah. Why is Catelyn Stark still mad at Jon Snow 17 years later? <laughs> That bugs you. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Made me feel better about what happens. Mm-hmm. Pacing. I think the pacing was actually done very, very well. Um, it seemed because uh, it seemed a little slow at first, but I feel like each again amazing cinematography done. Each and every single shot is done with a purpose. I I I question that. Why is it? Um. I think there was one, and this is the element that I, and I, I didn't know if it was just for continuity or not, like they needed this for continuity, but it's in the very beginning when the guy walks right up to the camera, he sinks down below it, and then we cut to him crawling up the mountain, and then we cut to the other verse, and we see him climbing over the little snow hill, and then he, we see what he sees, right? I don't, I don't know if we needed to see him crawling up the mountain. Like that's I'm being super nitpicky. Ooh, okay. But so, like that's what I'm saying. Every every yeah. frame, you know. Yeah, I'm like, so, I don't know if we needed that. I mean, yeah, well, we definitely needed that because um, you're building up tension to this threat, yeah. this this imminent threat that's yeah, okay. got the entire thing. So I think that it's best okay, to, good. especially with yeah. something like technically they're zombies, right? Technically, what, they're White in, Walkers in a technical <laughs> sense. So I think that. If you're gonna establish a sort of unique force, yeah, I see. Okay, it's, that it's works okay. for me. It's okay to be a little impressionistic with yeah, your cinematography. There are so many dangerous things north of the wall, wherever they are, that he just had to sneak because any, anything that he finds could kill you. He, he went sneaking because he saw the smoke rising, right? There was like a campfire yeah, or something. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't really clear what he saw right. that made him even get off his horse. There was a shot of whatever he was looking at, but I didn't see anything. And then later when he was crawling, I saw yeah. like smoke from like a campfire or something. Right. Okay. No, I think it was paced pretty well. By the yeah. time you got too much time in Winterfell, it cut down to King's Landing yeah. really quick, yeah. and then it cut over to Pentos. Yeah. So I think that they did a good job with the yeah. pacing. So Again, you, what an undertaking of information you have to get out there to the, to the, to the audience. You, I mean, you know, thinking back, there, there is a scene that I think maybe did hold a bit long for me. Now thinking back, uh, the scene with when we, we in, er, are introduced to Cal Drago the first time, and is the ceremony done? That scene where he's on the horse and trust me, if you didn't want her, you'd know or whatever. That scene was kind of long. They're just standing there a lot of the time, and then it's really quiet. And Cal Drago's looking at Daenerys or whatever. And there's a slight introduction, and then he rides off on his horse. That one I felt was a bit. It's, it's true. They show him like they show them outside waiting, and they're like late. They're like, yeah, where are they? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, Instead of just showing that. them... I Instead felt of... that impatience. Yeah, okay. So when uh, you say that those hold on a little long, do you think that those should have been almost cut out entirely or was it more no. thing like kind we of just they... shorten it almost? We needed... Uh, we need... I needed somebody to run inside and say, Kyle Drogo's here with all the Dothraki, and then they just run outside and introduce Daenerys. <laughs> Instead, it shows them like hanging outside, smoking a cigarette. Like, where are these guys? I don't know. The Dothraki are not known for their punctuality. punctuality. Oh, right. yeah, they made a, yeah. they made a point I mean, to show that. Do we really need to reveal that aspect of the Dothraki? Yeah, when you think uh, about the Dothraki, is lack of punctuality really at the top of the we need. list of qualities? <laughs> right. so that, that scene, I kind of felt. They don't have right. watches, the Dothraki. That's the problem. <laughs> that, that, well, I mean, it adds to, their, to how their culture essentially they're very 
improper barbaric you could even say so i yeah, guess we get that you could definitely <laughs> say barbaric yeah we could get yeah. that for sure so yeah i don't know i think maybe that one that that's the only if i'm being really nitpicky really on something on that's it. nearly perfect i'm like trying to be nitpicky to you know that that i would say is something i would maybe look at again but they were having a conversation Possibly. wait while they were waiting that i guess was somewhat important about the plan the exchange right right and right. then oh well, there you go Mm. Oh, I don't know. I thought it was paced pretty well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah very, very well. <laughs> what did you not like about this episode? Oh, boy. The ambiguity, definitely. What do you mean? Um, it, it held back on some things that I kind of wanted to know about, like, a lot. <laughs> I wanted them to show more of the White Walkers, to be honest. And, and I'm saying that because, yeah, I know looming threat coming, yeah. But I feel like maybe they would have just slid some, some more stuff in there to give us a little more context as to who they were. I feel like that would have uh, made the entire thing a little more powerful, you know? Oh, I've already mentioned it, but I, I didn't like the really over-the-top glare that Catelyn gave to, to John. <laughs> I just think that there was a way to explain the relationship without just yeah. the, that cheesy little hostile um, take there. And they went a little over the top, I guess, with Sansa, like freaking out of her food being flung at her and being really uh, just impatient to want to marry the king. But that that was necessary too. Oh, it's yeah. hard to it's hard to really nitpick, you know. Yeah. Probably the greatest show in the history of television. Uh, but gee, I can't think of anything that I really didn't like. Yeah, there's a there's a lot, there's a lot that's good in this show, and the things that are bad are just things that I wish they would have maybe done differently as opposed to things that could have gone. They I did. think that should have not been there. You know what I'm saying? We didn't learn anything about Rob. Rob is the oldest son of Ned. Right, yeah. There and he's go. standing there with his arms crossed Gosh. watching Bran, Bran uh, shoot the bow and arrow. And we don't learn anything from Rob mm -hmm. except when he's making fun of John for liking his hair yeah, before he yeah, gets cut. Yeah, we yeah. don't anything about Theon except he's willing to Do kill the pups yeah. and he takes orders from Ned and not from anyone else. Right. But we don't hear anything about him and we don't get to know Joffrey and he's the prince yeah, and Joffrey doesn't have a single word, a single scene. We don't know anything about his personality mm. either. Well, I thought those there were a couple of unusual choices that they made, but right. what are you gonna do? Mm. A lot of characters. Yeah, I I I concur. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of touched on that. Uh, what what improvements you would make? Um, yeah, I would I would show. Um, all the kids' personalities instead of just three of them. Mm -hmm. More from Robin Theon. And I would like to know what a wildling was. I heard right, that word a yeah, couple of times. Right. And I didn't understand the difference between wildlings and white walkers necessarily. Right, right. Um, this guy was also a member of the Night's Watch. Didn't know what that was. Um, got, you know, some context clues from yeah. it. But he's, he's, he's his uncle. We get, yes, we get that he's right. an uncle. Benjen is there. He's the uncle. Um, it's hard to even think like what I would add to this, but um, I'd say probably a bit, probably some more action, some more action. That's very vague, but I'm saying that because the this first episode did at times feel like a drag, and that's probably one of the reasons why. I thought the pacing was perfect. Pacing was perfect. I'm talking about in terms of because this has a lot of gut-wrenching action scenes in the, in the entire series. Yeah. 
I feel like this first episode was a big departure from that. And I think that for that reason, somebody else, not because I'm here's the thing, I love the fact that I love the way they did everything, but somebody else could see this and think, uh, they're talking the entire time. Is there going to be any anything that really happens? I mean, there's, there's obviously like the that. big moments where they where they chop off the head, and and then the, in the beginning, the White Walkers yeah. killing the guys. Yeah. But I I agree. I mean, aside from Arya throwing food at Sansa, there wasn't a lot of fist <laughs> there fighting. Wasn't, you know, wasn't much. You know, anything that was like, whoa, oh, okay. You know, it, was, it, it seemed very. Again, it's a pilot, but I think that they could have maybe sprinkled a little bit of more action in there. I'll tell you one opp- opportunity they could have. Khal Drogo. Oh, yeah. Like, if you would have had somebody get out of line at the wedding or accidentally that like, been knock awesome into Daenerys him. or something yeah. and just have him, like, break someone's neck. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know yeah. how, how powerful <laughs> he is. Yeah. And he's just sitting there at the wedding just watching everybody be violent and he's just enjoying it. And then you see him, you know, sort of rape his new bride, Daenerys. But yeah. I wanted to see him flex his muscles yeah, as yeah, the right, alpha right. of this clan. I could I have used that. one quick just little... One he quick. could have yeah. just killed somebody in just like two seconds. Because we see two, two, two random guys do it. Yeah. He, he could have been the one to do yeah, it. He yeah, he could have yeah. just yeah. gone there and just his neck with one hand. Mm-hmm. Somebody accidentally, like drunkenly, <laughs> but falls back and spills wine all over Daenerys. <laughs> that would have been amazing to see <laughs> him, to see him kill them. Yeah, that would have been great. Two-second murder. Yeah, I think I would love to see Khal Drago. I don't think it works against them. I'm just saying that some... Any any just random person who's coming by to see something like this, they may be turned off by the fact that there's not much uh, action in it in in this first episode. Well, it's like the first wedding. Well, the, uh, actually, there's been violence at every single wedding. Every wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Their weddings are not happy times. No. Their weddings are not positive. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I what, agree. What other ways to to improve it? Improve the episode. Mm. Mm. I would have loved to have seen the wall, to get the scope of it, to see how mm. massive the thing is. Because when we're when we're in the woods with them, we see the woods and we're getting this beautiful scenery and whatnot. But to see the, to see the just wall. instead of maybe the guy fade, bending down on his knees and fading to black having him run up to the wall and see this tiny little body and this massive, massive oh, yeah. thing. That would be very and then powerful. just the body getting smaller and smaller. I guess that's another purpose that the opening credits really serve. You, right. know, you don't have to do these big, huge overhead shots of the wall because we're taking you through the map. Yeah. So when you see the wall in the opening credits and then you you do see it when the the gate is going up at the very yeah. very beginning, but I don't know if you see like the real scope of it scope and of real it. understand yeah. where we are on the <laughs> map that, that we that just is. saw. Yeah, yeah. See this little tiny figure running away and getting smaller and smaller against oh, a yeah, white that thing. That would have been amazing. I think I would like to see the scope of the wall a little more, maybe. I think that they use, and I feel like a lot of uh, movies don't do this correctly. I feel like they use the winter as a sort of symbolism for darkness, almost. I feel like they do that so well with whether they use the fog, the darkness, the forest. I feel like that's just something that I just admire about the show. They have a big, great big exterior of the castle of yeah. Winterfell. Yeah. But I don't think they do one at Pentos. Do they show like no, a, no, a not big Pentos, exterior? No. Wherever they're shooting that just, one. Just the people Serbia dancing. Or Spain no. or wherever. Morocco, I think. Was it Morocco? Um, Cameroon? Maybe. I don't know. Somewhere. Um, throw a dart at a map and yeah, there. Um, yeah, no. I thought that was interesting when they did the exterior of the of King's Land, uh, not King's Landing, uh, Winterfell. Um, you saw a tiny little Winterfell and this wide, wide, expansive world. And I think I would have liked to see Winterfell a bit bigger. And I, I know they cut into it and they do that. And you see the you see Winterfell, um, but. 
again, very, being very nitpicky, you know, being yeah. very nitpicky. Oh, yeah. I mean, I will say that there were, there were moments where I was just watching because um, I remember I was editing a film one time and I was thinking about, you know, what does it take to edit a Game of Thrones episode? And I was, <laughs> I was watching in this first episode, there were moments where footsteps would be happening where no one's walking. Really? I didn't yeah, know that. so it would be moments where like someone would be walking, they would stop, and you continue to hear the footsteps, and I was like, I didn't hear oh. that. Really? It's, Are you it's, sure? It's very, it's very hard. Well, uh, there's a moment where like the horse was running, and I think the horse's, uh, the rhythm of the horse running got out of sync with the actual audio. Wow. I and I was just like, oh, I see it. I see it now. It was one of those weird things that. where I just noticed it just because I was paying close attention and I was like, oh, that's one thing. I noticed that. Well, I, I wouldn't notice that. Yeah, so no, no, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Some people like a real pick up on continuity like that and stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm I didn't sorry. hear the, the, mind the, is elsewhere. the pattering of foot hooves. The, the illusion of filmmaking gets you real quick. What mistakes do the writers make in this episode? I feel like it's a sin to say that the writers made any mistakes in this entire oh, show. Well, I mean, they're, they're great. They're obviously, DBYs, whew, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, man. they're, they're amazing. Um, what do you think? I really like the way they write dialogue. I do. I don't, have any, I don't have any real specific dialogue problems. I just think that uh, Rob, as the oldest son, sh should have had something to do. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we don't learn anything about him at all. Yeah, I, th I think going back to what I said earlier, I think just, I know, I know why the characters, whether it's physical action exposition or dialogue exposition, I, I feel, you know, Jamie's just a little on the nose. You know, I, I feel like, I mean, bumping into him and challenging him in a duel at a tournament, I mean, I get it. I know why we need it, but I would have liked to see them develop the characters just just a little less on the nose. Obviously, Arya's the tomboy, you know? Maybe just a little less on the nose. Be I don't know. Vague with I don't know. Or, yeah. like, be a little more vague with the way they presented it? Not vague. Maybe? Not vague at all. No. Specific, obviously. But, but just a little less like princess, tomboy, uh, bad guy, <laughs> evil queen. Yeah, they presented you know? a very uh, yeah, yeah. strong uh, dichotomy there. Yeah. But even then, I feel like that's done with a, with a sole purpose of subverting those characters. I feel like that's one of the biggest themes of uh, Game of Thrones, subverting what you've come from. You know, each of the characters, if you watch them now versus where they are currently, all, almost all of them have completely subverted uh, their their own expectations. But I mean, I mean, like, yeah, absolutely, that's true, but... You know, they. I guess they stay on the same the same course essentially. You know, to, Arya goes off and is at one point clearly mistaken for being a boy. Or <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's really on the nose. And there should have a, a, maybe a little bit more of a complex relationship between um, Jamie Lannister and, and Ned. Um, they did fight on the same side of a war. Yeah. And and yeah. win it together. Yeah. So I don't think it would it it was so just like. Would love to see you down in King's Landing at the, at the next joust. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. But they, didn't they have something to talk about, like like a war story? Didn't they? Like, so how things been? Uh, is there some mutual respect? Because it's so good about complicated relationships. And also, there's nothing between Catelyn Stark and Cersei, hardly at yeah, all. Yeah, hardly. Like uh, just one line during dinner, but 
That's got to be interesting. They have sort of similar lives. They're both married to parallel uh, to, to to men that know each other for a long time. There should be some history there. Like, mm-hmm. is there some gossip or you know anything at all? But they don't. They hardly say anything to each oh, other. Oh yeah, they, they did hold back on showing their relationship. I will. I will say that I just thought about that. They did hold back on their relationship a little bit. I kind of wanted to see more of it. I, not not even just their relationship, but the 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 strength of both women in one place because both are very strong. And both have their petty issues. Now, to put them sitting next to each other in the same room, I would love to see some sparks fly with their, with their, you know, sometimes when you're the same side of sandpaper rubbing against each other, and I feel like that's them. They're the same side of sandpaper, and they're just, I would love to see them, you know. And uh, Illyrio, who's uh, sheltering uh, Viserys and Daenerys over in Pentos, yeah. we don't find out anything about him. He appeared to be an important character. In retrospect, now I can understand why they didn't show that much about him because it's really all about Viserys and Daenerys yeah. right over there. But how did they get over there? Why did they get right, over there? Right. Who is he? Uh, who is and this course, guy and why is he protecting them and sheltering they them? They explain a lot of these things throughout the episodes. Yeah, of course yeah. they do. But, but you know, picking apart a, a pilot. Yeah, picking you know, apart I'm, just the, like this one episode, what they could show. Yeah. 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 I, I, sometimes you wonder, like, if I wrote this and handed it in myself, what would they say what to me? They th- right. They, right. Right. <laughs> they would be like, Jorah Mormont just approaches Daenerys out of nowhere, right. and I don't know who the who? Mormonts are. Why does I don't he know give who Bear Island is. He says <laughs> Bear Island. <laughs> I don't know who Bear Island is. It wasn't in the opening credits of any of the locations. Right. right. And I don't know where. How did he come to fight with the Dothraki? Why would they accept him? What's he doing over here? Yeah. What's this, like. White guy with armor doing just all of a sudden at this wedding. How did he get an invite to the wedding? What's he doing over here? Yeah, and, and, and why did why did Uncle Benji get allowed to leave the wall for a bit to go to this party? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good question. He's a deserter. Cut his head off. You can go to the party. Yeah, and the director's <laughs> cut. They execute Benji, you know, outside for deserting the Night Watch. Um, uh, yeah, that's one of the things. There was some exposition with the with the Benjamin Ned Stark conversation. Right. There was a little bit of unrealistic dialogue there. I forgot exactly what he said to him, but he's like, "I can't believe my brother might be the hand of the king soon." Yeah. That was redundant. Well, right. I guess we wanted to show that they were brothers, but we already no, know that no, like his be uncle Benji's uncle. Yeah, and. Uh, and and did uh, Kylan really think that he had the obligation? That he had the opportunity to turn this down? Like, are you allowed to do that? I don't think think you Thank you anyway for coming. I know you came a month all the way up here, (laughs) and you didn't even know I was going to take the job. But (laughs) that's why you looked that way. But I'm just going to turn this down. Right. I want to thank you for right. reaching out. We'll be in touch down the line if any other opportunities come. <laughs> but she was like, you, you can turn this down if you want to. And, and he, he so. was like, um, that's the king. You no, can't. I no, I don't think we're allowed to turn, turn it down. Yeah. You know? Besides, she knew he was going to take the I job. Know, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, interesting. He didn't really ask Interesting. Either. Interesting. Guys in there and say, yeah, you're going to do that. <laughs> how interesting how Catelyn um, knows, like, this, this has to happen. And she... she be, whether she's okay with it or not, she allows it to happen. And then we look at Cersei, who really does her best to turn the head of that king. You know, she, where Catelyn is just like, okay, all right. 
And Cersei's like, I will make sure that he does what I say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And Cersei's watching her husband openly make out with other, uh, other women, women in yeah. the party. Oh, yeah, the king, and she doesn't the king register any sort of reaction. She doesn't like look away with disgust or, or reach her wine and drink it and, or, or get up and, and, so and, and Yeah, that's leave. great exposition. But, but she, you know, I guess they wanted to show that this is just commonplace for him because he already says he wants to whore his way to an early grave. Yeah. I think I just thought of one other thing writing I would have done. When I heard Meister Lewin for the first time, mm -hmm. I was like, are they saying Mr. in a different way? Oh, What's a Meister? Who is this guy? Is it like a code name for uncle? Because every now and then when you hear a word, you know, like wildling or Meister, and you don't know what that is, I would have yeah. said you could have had a little conversation about, you know, so how long has your Meister been here? You know, like we didn't right. know that they train at the, you know, at the Citadel and every single town has one. All the kingdoms do. So I didn't know what Meister Lewin yeah. was when I first heard it. Again, we learn all these things. We, yeah. You do learn them all. Yeah. But it, more in lines of thinking of like, again, what would my notes be well, if I wrote the first, thing, the first you know, pilot? Somebody right. like, what's, a, what's a Meister? Brian, you have to explain what a Meister is in your pilot. With that, do you think that it's... Uh, I don't have a 10-episode order, so, you know, you don't have that luxury. <laughs> With that, do you think it's necessary that they explain all these things in a pilot episode? Not all no, of them. But there's no. little things that stick in your mind that you're wondering about. Now, some of those things are really healthy, like White Walkers. Yeah. I, I know, but I know that we're going to revisit that. And the other things yeah. you just have to pick up in context. Like yeah. when somebody says, what... And they explain this once. He's like, what's your sigil? And it's like, what? The yeah, flag, yeah, yeah, yeah. the emblem, the banner. That's later explained yeah. when Ned is sitting on the throne for Robert while he's uh, right, 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 out right. hunting or something. But some of the, th the things are not explained right away. Yeah. I have no idea what a Meister is until later on. But again, there's so much information to meter out. You have to wonder how much of it is important how much, how much of it is right not. now yeah yeah, yeah. And that's that's the skill of writing a pilot is how much can we explain and should we explain and do we explain right now yeah to hook a buyer to hook an executive to hook a, a network to hook an audience most importantly right and and i again we're being super nitpicky but but super. really they they they, <laughs> they nailed it with with it they, they did they yeah, did they, they nailed this entire thing that was a perfect pilot to be honest that yeah, was a great pilot it's a fun one. I wouldn't say perfect. I would say fun. <laughs> as, as, as close as perfect as I've ever seen. To I don't be know. I mean, there's, some, there's some shows I don't know if I should talk about right now. That I just... <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'll just say this. I really like watching that pair of pants fall from the sky. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I'm lost. It's Breaking Bad. Uh, really? Yeah. That's, that's great pilot. That's, that's the other real titan of our, yeah, of our time. Great pilot. But, anyway. Yeah. I don't think it's better than this one. I might love it. But it's I kind feel of like apples and oranges. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think about the subject matter, yeah. So there's nothing really to compare this to. So yeah, that's it, true. But, it's true. But little tiny details here and there about stuff that could be explained, sure. But again, yeah. now, now that I think about it, I second guess myself because Meister is not. It's, it's not, not necessary. It's not it's There's not only necessary. so much real estate on the page, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't need it. You know, yeah. it, it yeah, yeah, felt yeah. like it was crammed in. You know, if he was like, yeah. Ben, that's a Meister like me has been in your family for already <laughs> trained at the Citadel for all those years to right. be assigned to Winterfell. Right. You, know, right. you wouldn't have needed maybe, that. Maybe maybe that's what maybe that's why they they made Bran the eyes for the audience in this episode because as we're seeing it through a ten year old, it that we're just seeing what a ten year old's going to see it and what's most important to a ten year old. Mm -hmm. You know. And maybe that's what it is. I'm glad that they actually kept out a couple details in this because I feel like that it uh, helps. 
I feel like it helps uh, build the world. Like what? Everything, the whole Meister thing, all that. I feel like knowing that those things exist. Even I, I feel like even if you know, even if you don't know that they're gonna explain some of those minor details. I feel like the fact that they exist help you understand that this is an entire world, so yeah. it, it, it immerses yeah. you better. Yeah. And I feel like had they gone into detail with some other things, it would have negatively impacted the pilot. Also, it's really different when you know you have 10 episodes to shoot. You can postpone stuff. Yeah, when sure. you know you're going to be yeah. on a, 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 you know, HBO with that many viewers, you know that you have time. It's yeah. different when you're just writing a pilot as a writing mm-hmm. sample, and it all has to be... It has to promise so much more and also work as a self-contained story. So some of these things don't apply. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Game of Thrones is a surprise factory. I mean, pick one. (laughs) Yeah. The the body parts disappearing in the pilot is a surprise. The, um, The incestuous relationship is a huge surprise. That was really gross. Shoving Bran off the the decapitation right at the beginning, you know? Ned's just hanging out with his family, and someone's like, Ned, you gotta go decapitate this guy. Oh, bring the 10 year old. (laughs) I mean, that was was interesting to me. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think those are the most. The the fact that those creatures have been dead for thousands of years and no one believes in them, that was a surprise. Um, I feel like that adds a level of impact. To, yeah, like sure. the, the amount of impact I thought about that like they didn't believe in these things but they exist and now you're kind of aware of the ignorance of these characters no they, they believe in them it's just like if I were to say dude I just saw a Tyrannosaurus Rex outside oh okay they don't believe that they ex- exist anymore because of that you kind of put into this awareness of their ignorance as, as characters as a community almost I think that's what makes the White Walkers even more daunting. I think uh, that the, the content itself is a surprise as far as like watching this young lady get raped, like watching it. And it's like right there. Um, uh, watching how, um, and I think that's why this show is so great because it pushed so many boundaries. And and though it is HBO, it, it's still, they still allow a lot of different things to to occur and, you know, of <laughs> uh, uh, this this young uh, this 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 dwarven character who is now being ransacked by four prostitutes it's like that's okay we're, we're we're going into this this is what this is gonna be it's like it's like here's here's the bar for for television here's you know like other shows and then here is game of thrones and this is where this is the bar we're starting at and it only just gets crazier. They're very crazier. unfiltered. And I, and yeah. I love that. They yeah, pay, I think that's a they great pay, surprise. They pay, they, pay, they pay a lot of respect to the uh, subject matter and the time period. Because, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, just treat it. with the way that they show things, they're very unapologetic. Uh, absolutely. And, it's awesome. awesome. and I, think it's, I think it's because of that I can appreciate, I can appreciate all of the little actions a little more. You know, the, the rape, that's, that was terrible. That's like very hard to watch. But, surprising that they did it. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that they did it. Even before you know that. What I'm saying? Right. The, the, and I feel like because the the, the, the brutality adds a layer to the characters themselves. Even though it's not a character based thing really, the brutality and the like just the misogyny of the entire series. Oh yeah. I think it adds a layer to the characters as they grow. The profound cruelty and passion of the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, at the beginning, Viserys just says to Daenerys, I need you to be perfect today. And you think, oh, maybe they have a sweet relationship. Then he walks over to her and is just like, 
I would let every single one of those 40,000 men have sex with you and their horses to get this. And you're just like, whoa! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the, the, you're the, an the unbelievable cruelty yeah. uh, uh, and the passionate, yeah. uh, the passion of the characters oh, gosh, and, yeah. is, is, I mean, is shocking. You have, you have the body of a woman now. And then he, he grazes her body and it's just like vomit, you know? It's Yo, like so you are so off. That's one of them crazy things, but I may be off with this a little bit. Y'all can tell me if I am. But I feel like the reason why people resonate with this show on such a heavy level is because I think that in one way or another, as people, we exude that. That that very savage mentality. I feel like. I hope I don't. Maybe maybe not to maybe <laughs> not to the, maybe when not I'm driving to, through traffic. Maybe, maybe. Not, maybe not to that extent. But I think that the exhilaration we get from this show is the exact same exhilaration we got when we saw the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger's performance. Mm. You know that that id that that savagery. I think that that all is inside of us, and I think that's I think we actually like it. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I think we embrace like, it to to some extent. Yeah, you know, watching a horror film, and it's, it's pleasurable almost in, a, in yeah. a sadistic way, and I. I think that's why we love it so much, to be honest. Maybe I'm off there, but I'm just assessing people and why they love these characters so much and the content of, you need of to, the show. You need to meet nice people. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? I feel, I, feel like, I feel like that's the sort of like universal thing that exists because it's so why we like these totally unlikable characters. But, you know, when you meet Ned and Jamie, they seem like normal knights. You know, they've killed some people. And they, but then you go and you meet, like, the mountain and, you've, you know, stuff that he's done, oh, you know. Geez crushing people's heads and, and cutting people in half like it just keeps going further and further you're like all right i've had to have met the sickest character by uh, yeah now. right right i've had to have heard the sickest dialogue <laughs> I, by I, now. when i was watching with my roommate she just kept saying it gets worse and i said yeah. how how, yeah. how <laughs> what are they gonna do burn a child alive oh wait they do oh, that too no. <laughs> oh god that was oh, the most god. dramatic moment of my oh. of my of my life watching and, the and show then, and then it's like oh wait you know you little finger's bad and then he gets worse and he gets worse and then he starts kissing Sansa and then you're like alright you get your lips off of her you get your lips off of her and then it's just like oh yeah and we were talking about surprises before I mean the, the end of the first season is built on the, you know the surprise heard around the world it's, it's oh, never been done before never been but, done and that wasn't even the most shocking thing no, I know that, not even close <laughs> oh no yeah the shock, it's not even the, shock the top five it's it's the shock value really the red wedding uh, I, I mean there's nothing no that, I mean, it just blows you away oh. with how Quick, quickly how can sick we... these characters are. Even like the normal ones, you're like, Bruce Bolton doesn't seem like that no. bad. And, nah. then, and then you see <laughs> him turn, and then you're like, okay, well, the mountain roost, there's no one worse. And then you see Ramsey Bolton. Uh. You, you just, you, it just shocks you. Is, with there, how is there someone worse than Ramsey aside from the White Walkers? The mountain. You think worse than Ramsey? Well, remember what the mountain did to Oberyn's sister and children right right but we we weren't there to experience that we've That's just been, true. We've been told that oh you mean in terms of what you've like, seen like what we've seen aside from the white walkers who is worse than ramsey drogon <laughs> by the way <laughs> awesome thing that i noticed when he when she opened up the cast the, the eggs yeah drogon's egg it moved just a little no tiny way bit. I wasn't i'm dying to know if that was intentional i gotta see that i don't even know it. i gotta watch it again accidental and they left it in there because if yeah. you're watching that and it was accidental you you could just be like leave that in okay i accidentally i didn't even notice that one what 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 really quickly what were what were the moments that like 
like uh, as far as the red wedding, the purple wedding, you know, these big, big, striking moments, John, John Snow's death and then rebirth. Um, what Spoiler were the, alert. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler come on. Alert. Come on. Um, <laughs> what You're were, not what, caught up by now. Come on. What were the big ones? That, like Shireen was oh, was oh, that gosh, was that so was the hard. one. I was I was literally. I wish I had a video camera. I was pacing back and forth, <laughs> twenty five feet away, like in like three feet, and I was like, no. <laughs> You're not gonna do it! No, no. Uh, so I couldn't. I couldn't was, handle it. I couldn't handle so it. So hard that, to that, see. That was the one that I was just like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop watching this show if the Starks don't make a comeback." Like, they, they, and that's what I'm saying. You know, there were some like, episodes I just, I was like, I don't know if I can continue I watching. Yeah, this. yeah. I don't uh, know. Battle was, of the Bastards for me. It was really yeah, big hard. One. That was big probably one. the best. Well, one of the best fight scenes I've seen in a while, dude. When, that one made me so happy. When when Ramsey. <laughs> kills the youngest Stark by shoot like missing yeah. missing the three mm. shots and then hitting with the fourth. I was like, God what? Damn. When Drogon finally comes up and they torch the field and Jamie's oh, like, we yeah. can hold them off. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then Jamie comes back to King's Landing covered in ash. I think and, and he's like, you don't understand. She's like, we can buy more people. And he's like, no. I think the biggest one for me, aside from like obviously the Red Wedding, which is the ep- most epic moment, the I, th- most. I think is when when the White Walker right raises the dragon from the dead and now he that was a freaking dragon that <laughs> now was there's this ice dragon <laughs> yeah that was probably one of the biggest moments for me that had me like oh shit they're really about to kill everybody <laughs> <laughs> and then you see him burning down the wall and it's just like oh, yeah winter's coming oh winter's, <laughs> it's here winter's here winter's here it's cold now blue fire blue i was fire. like is that ice or is that blue fire that's all it's blue fire but dude there's yeah every every season there's one there's one there's one heart crunching episode scene <laughs> where you're just one. like you're just like oh, i don't know how much more i can take it's uh, really it's, it's like a really exhausting like a really dramatic really exhausting. Exhausting. it's a stressful relationship i might have to just break up you know <laughs> you i don't know how much more i could take an, up oh gosh such a vicious cycle no, we might have gotten off topic from the question yeah at this sorry point, but, yeah, yeah we we far off <laughs> Okay, the strengths of the story. So obviously, they are incredible at world building. Uh, I mean, given to I mean George R. R. Martin, who penned the books, and and then uh, Dave Benioff, I believe Dave Benioff and Dave D. B. Weiss just like penned the show, and and to to, to create such a world. Um, and I know it's said all the time, but it's so true. And to to, to go to a million different locations and to understand them fully by the end of the season and to understand the cultures, right? For example, um, up north, bastards are called snows. Down mm-hmm. south, they're called sands, mm-hmm. right? Adorn. I mean, the, 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 those details, little, right? Little like that, in. they're perfect at building those worlds like that. It's just unbelievable. And then and then taking the, the written word that George R. R. Martin doing, wrote and turning it into a visual medium, and um, then painting, you know, painting this 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 blind, the painting this person of many faces, mm-hmm. right? The man of many faces, and and showing him or her or whatever he is or it is, you know, and like seeing that, just like they're so good at that. Yeah, you know, your writing really takes a step up when you start making characters that have some good and some bad. Yeah, in them. Like absolutely. Your first couple of scripts. 
your writers just are, are, are one-dimensional and, and serve the story, and you're just trying to get through it. But these guys do such a good job about unbelievably complex characters. Oh, at, at first analysis, Ned is just a really good man that got really unlucky. But if you think about it more, he just he valued duty a little bit too, too much, much to a fault. and was blind. Yeah, and and not a, a Catelyn. You know, she wasn't completely unwrong when she, uh, uh, incorrect when she said, uh, you know, th this horror has been visited on my family because I couldn't love a motherless son. She, at first glance, is just completely wholesome. And then later on, it's a little bit more ambiguous. And yeah. then they do great things with Jamie Lannister and, oh, and gosh, the Hound. The best. the best thing that they do is character <laughs> arcs on a long term. I've never seen anything like it. I've no, never ever, hated a never. character in one season and, and then, then watch, them, watch them get mastered and watch the one thing that defined them get taken away from them and having to rebuild a new personality totally. and, com and completely change how you under the mentorship, I've never under, seen that. Under the mentorship of someone you never would expect. I mean, yeah. Bram's heart, like, you never expect her to be his mentor. Yeah. Right? It's amazing. Yeah, the, that's never been done on no, this scale before. Most in, in, in other shows, the evil guy becomes more evil. Yeah. But in this show, it's completely different, different. than that. It, yeah. changes, it changes the way you, you yeah. thought of, of Yeah, you, you think Joffrey's people. the baddie, and then he dies, and then you see <laughs> Ramsay, and you're like, oh, there was someone worse than him. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy because like they make each, per like, each person's character arc intertwine with one another and they grow from that from each e even event. being on different continents yeah even small thing like this the, the small things they get into and i love how you can grow with these characters and no one's ever at a point of stagnation at any point it, at least I, I never saw that but mm. each you know, each character seems to grow in their own way yeah i think that like most people ha i uh, find a favorite character because they see something about themselves in that character and Daenerys, you know, has to make some tough decisions. Yeah. She has to decide whether yeah. or not to kill some people who are obviously opposed to her that she's captured. You know, what do you do with prisoners of war in, in this situation? Mm -hmm. Do you kill them or not? You could you could have a very good argument either way about yeah. about that. Moral ambiguity yeah. is, is, is perfect. Is perfect. Is really, I think that's one of the biggest really things that's been done here. And that's just on top of the scope and the scale and the sc yeah, special yeah. effects yeah. and the, <laughs> and the <laughs> acting and the acting that's on top of everything I know, else I know, I know. The moral ambiguity and the long term character arcs are, are like nothing you've ever seen yeah. before okay, so, so the hard question is what do they what suffers what, what do they struggle with so I, I feel like and again I, it's probably small story things to me throughout the entire seven possibly eight seasons so far but I think they should, I think they may have should have kept Joffrey alive, you know. I think Joffrey should have stayed, stayed alive. I think... Uh, because, because, I only, I only think that because, and I'm not just trying to be savage in my own way. I'm only saying that because I think that his character pointed out one of the biggest themes of Game of Thrones, and that's power. I think that keeping him around would have... Cersei. Hmm? Cersei represents that. I think Joffrey was that a little more. What? Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that because if you see how quickly he came, not only did he come into power very quickly, but he was under... He, he, he was given it. Right. So he was given power and he had control over everything. Seriously, and he took was, it. Right. I'm saying the theme of power uh -huh. and how in the wrong hands it can really be like terrible. I think that Joffrey is like the, probably the best example of that, wow. to be honest. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Cersei's like a pretty bad character, but I don't think she was 
anywhere near the savagery of Joffrey. And had he grown up, I think he would have been much more savage than her. What? Well, they're, well, they're both really cruel. You know, when they ran out of books and they had to improvise, they made some questionable decisions later on in the show. Um, this whole now, manufactured drama between Sansa and Arya and other that's things true, online true. that they were getting I, I will say part. one, yeah. The time jumps about the scale mm, of the mm, world, right, how right. people can get... Uh, and and also this ridiculous plan of, of trying to convince Cersei to help them or, or ask her for a truce. Right, was, yeah. And, and, and why would you let Jon Snow go on a suicide mission north of the wall when he's, he's, <laughs> he's the king? The, like, he's the guy. Somebody should stand right. up and be like, Listen, if I let you go north of the wall and you get ki killed, the whole north will execute me yeah. in public. So right. you're not doing it. Right. So right. there was some questionable plot decisions mm -hmm. in the later seasons. Yeah. If I had to really criticize before that, it's really brutal on the good guys for years. Like the good guys lose A lot. and are tortured and are unjustly murdered for several of the first seasons. You mm -hmm. need real stamina to get through. And the, le <laughs> yeah. and, and the, and the level of cruelty, like we could, they didn't have a single victory for a while, the good right. guys. They were just getting battered and it's, murdered it's everywhere. <laughs> and eventually it started to become like, all right, you know, enough is enough. It wasn't until season five where things really started to turn. I, Up in the, you know, Sansa was, a lot of good people also had a lot of misery visited upon them. You know, there were bad guys that got their comeuppance, but there was a lot of innocent people who really, really suffered. Right. But I think I think they struggled uh, in the season where they spent a little too much time in Dorne, um, and and with the Dorne story was, it was terrible. It was really it was not necessary. Bad. I don't know. I, I just didn't. That. Yeah, exactly. All exactly. About that. Exactly. Right. <laughs> well, Oberyn exactly. was was one of my favorite he, characters. He's of great. All time. Yeah, but but once. His brother, the king. Yeah, once that that stuff that the daughters they didn't need him at all. Didn't they, need it. That was I think that I think my opinion was the weakest. But of course, they're coming from not having that information. That that was that was added because a few things I've heard. I don't want to say anything because I'm not 100 certain. But I know I know that kind of plot element was just the not that, a favorite uh, of many. You think that overall, after you know they ran out of books and they started had to, and they had to improvise. You think that overall they did a good job. Do you think they uh, did very well with how they kept the story going? Or do you think that it kind of took a radical change that was negative? <sighs> I think it sped up. I think it sped up a bit. I think um, mm -hmm. last couple seasons they started going really fast, cramming a lot in. Um, <laughs> in terms of getting everybody <laughs> yeah, to one continent. One, one continent, right. And, it it yeah. happened quick, I think. And that was just, I, I, that one I, I, I remember having to suspend my disbelief a bit, mm -hmm. you know. And the political intrigue died down. And that was a yes, lot of fun. Yes, Because Tyrion yes, was playing the sure. Game of Thrones as a hand of king and manipulating sure. people and finding for out. Sure. And Varys and Littlefinger were playing politics and they had their little birds and everything. And all of a sudden, there's not much for those characters to do. They got rid of Littlefinger, but there wasn't much for Varys to do and, right, you know, uh, right, after a while. Right. Um, and he was trying to put... He was he was in betrayal to Daenerys, mm -hmm. and then she forgave him mm -hmm. pretty quickly. But mm -hmm. why keep him alive <laughs> and not the other person? Yeah. Also, Tyrion is a little bit overrated as what? a strategist. Interesting. No, not what? as a character. Not as a character. As a strategist. But as a strategist, I'm okay. failing to see. Well, he did great with the Battle of the Blackwater, but, so but, but what did he do that was that great over for Daenerys? He's just. He did. He kind of he kind of screwed up her her town. For, for a minute there. Yeah, he, he tried to make a deal with the slavers. Didn't and say, work. And that didn't work. But that was great. He learned from that. Yeah, but I don't know. 
I don't, know, I don't know if he's a master strategist, but I like that relationship. Like Littlefinger, nothing like, like Littlefinger. Right. That's true. And no, he's not, he can't compare to Littlefinger. I don't know. I don't think. I know. He's smarter than Littlefinger because he's still alive. Yeah. So well, maybe... Littlefinger all of a sudden became kind of stupid, you know. <laughs> How so? Well, he didn't know anything about the Boltons. And why would he sell Sansa to them? What did he get in exchange for that? Protection from the Boltons? He was trying to Didn't he get Winterfell Cersei. for it? No, but Cersei, the queen, would be the one to give him right. to make him lord of Winterfell. Okay. So I don't know why he would just grab Sansa, who was very valuable, and just flick her to the Boltons mm. to appease them. What reason did Littlefinger have to appease Roose Bolton? Mm. And why would he get, just hand Sansa over? I can't wait to read the comments because there's going to be, there's gonna be oh, the, yeah. ans- the answers will be there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Someone else knows. Someone answers. else has to know, yeah. But Varys has kind of run out of things to do. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm ready to read him because I want to see uh, all the knowledge that I didn't know. I miss Stannis. This. Stannis? He was a great character. And why is Melisandre so bad at being, like, why does she get everything wrong? Like, what can you see in the flames? Should they have done some special <laughs> effects in the flames? Should I have been able to see what they see right, in the flames? Like, right. how does she keep getting it wrong? Like, right. I looked in the flames and I'm wrong. I followed the wrong person. What do you over mean? And what over do you and mean? Over. I mean, you, you keep seeing the wrong person. Is, is yeah, the Lord of Light just messing flame. with you? Like, what, what's going on? Yeah, I hope season eight touches on that. Flames. That's a good point. Yeah, she's coming back. We'll see what happens. Yeah. After watching the first episode, I think the reason people love this show, um, a, a, a few things, obviously. Um, when, when you have classic storytelling, people love great, people love great stories. They love great stories. And, and when it's done well like they do, it's easy to love. That's, that's the real surface answer. Um, I think a few other answers are um, because of, be, because I think people love irony. And I, when we see someone, for example, like Jamie Lannister, who we hate, and then he has such a great transition, and then he's someone where we can like side with, um, that 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 juxtaposition is like, it's attractive, and I think they do a lot of that, and that that wets our whistle, that hooks us more, um, um, even going so deep as philosophical, philosophically thinking like, oh, people can change or whatnot. Um, um, it's it's obviously fantastic, and it's a, a really I, don't, I wouldn't say a really nice escape, you know, because it's it's a toll on your emotions watching it. Yeah. But um, I think I think we're in a safe space where we can feel those emotions. You know, the actors do an amazing job, and we get to live vicariously through them. You know, we get to experience what they're feeling, and um, I think that's what writers need to understand when they're writing these beautiful characters is that the audience is going to feel crazy crazy things in a safe space and we're going to be able to release if you will or yell or hate or laugh or cry or do all these things and i think that's what they do so well with this is we can do all that every moment of the show i think so too especially uh i agree with everything you said actually you know they uh tap into the uh, again the universal human emotion you know, we all can understand to some extent, we can fathom the emotions that these people feel and thus we can sympathize with them regardless of all of the fact that they've all done terrible things. You know, um, I, I was watching this TED talk one time and I forgot what the guy's name was, but he has said that you can never, there's no one you could, no, nah, he said something similar. To that. He said like, there's no one you couldn't learn to love once you learn their story. 
And I think that with this, is, uh, since they take their time, I feel like they're very mm. patient in this story. They take their time to explain to explain everything to a T. You know, so everything's understood. Not only that, but you can see the growth in characters over time based on what you've learned. And it's so much so that now people understand the culture of this area. They understand the norms of this area. They understand the language and things that you may have been aloof to when you saw the first episode. You know, so the fact that they take the time and the dedication needed to show each and every single character in their in their life, in their growth, I think that really makes people hook on to this show. Obviously, there's people that read the books that we're going to watch this either way. Right. And obviously, it's great characters and writing, as we've said, and the great character arcs. World building is taken to a different level here. I mean, that's just a phrase that's just thrown around, building the world right, of your story. But right. this is an actual world, um, a planet with a map and cities with histories and people and thousands of years back and all that. And it's just a different scope and scale. And it actually has just about every single genre in it, from from horror to sci-fi to fantasy to romance and there's comedy and drama and adventure and action there's there's every single genre is in this but i think number one would be uh subverting expectations yeah. you know what happened a great cliffhanger at the end of the at the end of the first episode and that's kind of a microcosm of what happens at the end of the first season to another yeah. Yeah. character yeah. so i mean so many yeah. stories so many classic stories are like the you know good guy you know, uh, develops and meets a problem and overcomes it and good wins at the end. Game of Thrones, not necessarily. You know what yeah. I mean? It's moral ambiguity and it's completely subverting expectations and just crushing uh, all the old paradigms and uh, of what you what you expect a story to be. So you have no idea what's gonna what's gonna happen. I think you we really need know. that. We need that. We want that. Yeah, to, to expound upon the whole subverting expectations thing, another reason that someone had actually pointed out to me uh, a couple of years back is that uh, one thing that Game of Thrones does very well is that it sets you into this place that you're not used to. It shows you the brutality of it, and it shows how, especially with Dana uh, Daenerys, um, how characters can change in stark contrast to, uh, to the expectations of their time. You mm -hmm. know, So you see that Daenerys was... Again, a subdued character. I'm guessing that's how a majority of women had to be back then. But then now you see she's like the leader of, you know, <laughs> an army. You know what I'm saying? So, again, they subvert that. And they do it in a way that's authentic. And the gravitas and of the, the whole atmospheric experience. When that, when that opening credits goes on and you just, you're descending upon this world. And you really feel... A part of it, one of the you know the budget behind it, the locations that they use, the huge shots, it feels like a real planet out there. Yeah, with from from start to finish, you feel like you're in a real world, and that's it. it really helps with the whole experience. It <laughs> makes it so immersive, <laughs> and yeah. you add everything else with the acting, performance, characters, and and expectations going out the window. It it makes it an adrenaline rush to uh, really to really watch to watch the show. Yeah, it's an endorphin rush. So it really is. Yeah. When is when is April fourteenth? I know. <laughs> <laughs> When's the trailer coming? Oh man, people so love good. it. People love so it. It, it. They do so many things right. So many. They do yeah. so many yeah, things they, right they with take, that they show. Take their time. Even the big criticisms are just like, eh, yeah, I mean, no problem. Whatever, nitpicking, whatever. It's just so good. It's hard to get on the show because they they take time 
to make sure that everything is right in this. Everything from the score, from the soundtrack. It's taken two out, two years. And like, it, they put a lot of work into this. And I think we all appreciate that because we can yeah. feel it in every single frame. Yeah, when you watch the behind the scenes stuff and you see how, you know, Man. they did a 55 day shoot for the big yeah. battle, yes. you know? And they put, <laughs> like, it makes you appreciate it even more, especially out here in LA. You're like, you know how much work went into this thing. And uh, God, especially what a, what a masterpiece. It. It's going to be hard. For, for, to top this in terms of it, the best show I, ever. I, I am excited for when that happens. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's because it, I'm always wanting the next best thing, obviously, but it's going to be great. But for now, I'm just going to really enjoy this last season. Yeah, <laughs> and they're doing a prequel series, a, oh, a spinoff right. after that's that. Right. Eventually, there'll be like HBO Thrones or something. HBO. It'll be like a no, own channel. <laughs> the whole of like all the HBO I'm, Game I'm of Thrones glad that, that networks and, and they're allowing these kinds of creative... Very ballsy shows to be made now because whether the show is for you or not, that does we are now being allowed to make these shows, and that's what's so necessary. That's what's needed. So if it's not your cup of tea, fine. It's not everyone's. It's a very hard show to watch, but we're being allowed to make them. That's what we want. Yeah, we're taking a chance on uh, creativity. You know, so you're not doing the same cookie cutter thing. Now you get to be a little more innovative. Yeah. When, when a leap of faith works out for them, it just means, you know, maybe they'll take more of them. Yeah, yeah. And they'll take a leap of faith on an amateur's yeah. project. I've n- yeah, I've never seen a, a, a TV show of this budget ever. It's just amazing. Oh, not at all. They, they, they put a lot of work Great. into this one. Can't wait for April 14. <laughs> <laughs> so when I see, when I think of adaptations, um... I'm always scared when it comes to adaptations because I know that film as a visual medium is very different from novels because I mean there's a, there's a lot of things you can attribute to that but usually when I see adaptations I'm a little scared because I'm thinking that they're going to diminish certain things or take out certain elements of the book but I feel like they and I haven't read the books at all I probably should but I feel like they paid a lot of respect to them you know, I have to read the books, of course, to get that context and understanding. But I'm sure if I read read the books, I'll I'll get the exact same feeling I got when I saw the show, because the amount of work that they put into this, the amount of passion that they have in this, it seems so authentic that I couldn't imagine them misstepping in such a drastic way that it pulls me out. You know, so I have to read the books myself to see. But I feel as though they've they've done their due their due diligence with this. I've never read the books. Um, I when I finished the series, uh, I read, I think, the first four pages of the first book. My brother actually has read the books, but not seen the show. So I'm, I would love to talk to him about the books and see what he thinks. But no, I've not read the books, but I'm interested in them. Yeah, for sure. I have not read the books either. Typically, I don't read fiction when I do read a, a novel. But uh, my friend bought me the books uh, for my birthday a couple of years back. So I have them in my little bookshelf with my little script library that I built over the years. But uh, they're up there, but they're still wrapped in plastic. I want to finish the show, and someday I'll read the books, but uh, not at this point. I have not. They're intimidating up there, 1,200 pages. I don't know if I'm going to get to them anytime soon, but I will someday. It's a quick read. I hope hope, uh, hope we don't offend George R.R. Oh, no, No, I'm definitely going to read his books just because how good the show was. I feel like... The books always are as good, if not better, which happens a lot. But I definitely want to read the books because I love reading fiction. Uh, I'll make up for it by watching his show. 
seven times every single episode. So <laughs> yeah, I'll make up yeah. for it with clicks. So George will be fine. Yeah, and right. the, the long the, the next the next show is coming up. Yeah. so that's gonna yeah. be great. I feel like there's a level of uh, immersion or different types of immersion that comes with uh, reading books versus Absolutely. seeing the show. Yeah. You know, because when I see a show, I imagine something in one way based off of how the uh, author writes a description. But in the film, it's usually always different. But I, f I feel like I just have a good feeling about Game of Thrones just because the amount of respect and work put into this. I just feel like they, they couldn't have done anything too, de uh, too deviant. So you go to the library today and you pick up that first book. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, with all shows, all visual mediums, you should take them in with other people. You know, that's, that's the beauty of uh, film in this uh, lovely medium we have because uh, we can bring people together. That's why I love it so much. But if you're gonna watch the show, I'd say um, be, be, be ready for uh, some unfiltered work because it's definitely vulgar at times, but the vulgarity serves a purpose. Uh -huh. you know, so I think you should be willing, to, willing and able to see images that may disturb you. And if you're, if you're not comfortable with that, that's, that's fine. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Just as a warning, if you're gonna go, go in and watch this, just know that the story <laughs> is amazing. Uh, the characters are amazing and you're gonna love it you know but um, just a fair warning for I guess vul vulgarity I, I guess yeah. I, it's kind of hard to say after the viewers have watched this I would say go in as blind as possible <laughs> yeah you kind of get and make those assumptions for yourself meaning if it's too vulgar for you you'll know and if it's not you'll know um, <laughs> but uh, try try to just go in um, Mind. Just go in expecting a bloody good time. <laughs> uh, get the kids out of the house. Yes. Yes. Uh, it, it cuts to nudity usually just like that. It comes out of nowhere. So, and it, um, What I used to do when I watched it with people is we'd watch it back to back because different HBOs, they play it at different times. So I'd watch it once with no talking because you don't want to miss anything. You don't miss anything. And then once again, you could watch it right after and talk your way through it and yeah. ask questions. That's yeah. a good way to that's do it. That's a good it. way to do it. If you're watching sure. with other people, that's a good way to do it. You'll want to watch it twice anyway. Be okay pausing. And, yeah. Because you're going you're gonna to want to, <laughs> what just happened? Have your freak out moments. Pause it. Go pace for 30 minutes. Come back. Finish the episode. Take some water. Take some, water, <laughs> take some deep breaths. But pace yourself. And if you're prone to having nightmares or something like that, if you don't like disturbing imagery and you know, animals and people being treated very cruelly. It might not be for you. That eventually comes, though. But um, it's it's like nothing else. It's yeah. it's tough to describe. You just have to experience the whole thing for yourself. But once you get a couple episodes in and you get into it and you start really caring about the world and the characters, there's nothing like it. Yeah, yeah it's an amazing story, and I think you're gonna love anyone who watches. I think is gonna love it throughout the entire ride. Yeah. Just saying that when you remove the kids from the house, it's, it's not even about the nudity, it's, it's about the focus. Have, have your brain able to focus, because there's a lot of stuff you're gonna have to yeah, remember. You're gonna take in a lot. You might want a glass of wine. They drink, the, drink, they drink it during the show. I'm sure there's a drinking you, game you out might there. Want, you might want a glass of wine. <laughs> there's a drinking game out there. Uh, boy, it's, it's popular for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, it's, it's tremendously good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's one of the crazy it, things. I uh, I have a Twitter and Instagram, and off, oftentimes I like to talk to people about because I'm I'm a person I love not only film but just the art of creativity, just all of it. So I'm very enthusiastic about talking to people about those kind of things. So especially with Game of Thrones, I've talked to a couple of people on Twitter about it once or twice. You know, it's always fun to do that to see what other people are thinking in a, in a constructive manner 
okay, you always have those trolls that are out there, but I always try to talk in a very constructive manner and like uh, learn some new things about the show that I didn't even think about. You know, so that's the lovely thing about uh, the fact that shows even exist. And one exists at this kind of popularity that you can, I can literally go talk to anybody about it right now. Yeah. And they would know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we're three guys that just met and we have a commonality and, and it's, it's the excitement that I like to feel when we talk about it, you know? I, I may never talk to you guys again. I may not even like you guys, whatever. But, <laughs> but I, I do, I'm just saying. But the, the feeling I get when talking about the show and oh yeah, that part, and, oh remember that, and oh yes. And that feeling is what I like. And that's what art does. It gives us these places to experience emotions that um, are all over the place. And so to have that commonality between the two guys to you two, or is just, it's great and it's fun and it's exciting. And so, yeah, you, you should talk about it with people and watch it with people. Yeah, not so much on social media with me, but right. I text friends and family after the show, like, oh my God, could you believe that? And I'm subscribed to several other channels on YouTube that do in-depth analysis yeah, yeah, of yeah. every single episode. And I, mm-hmm. I you know, there's, it's, it's great because it's just, it's like eating leftovers over and over yes, again. I watch yes, the episode yes. and then I watch it again. Yeah. And then I know that these three YouTubers are going to make videos. And then I go to the comment sections there. And, yeah. and yeah. you know. It's amazing. It's amazing. I the love community. debating commenters. Just know that. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I just know that. I, go, I interact more on YouTube now than uh, Twitter or Facebook and Instagram anymore. And but I uh, don't. But they're, they're, uh, yeah, I love it. There's a lot of great, <laughs> a lot of great people making really interesting videos and Absolutely. theories. And there was all these people, you know, and the game bowl was like a theory. And there was, I was like, is it happening or not? I'm literally Googling this and just trying to find all the different people who are so addicting. Who are just like, yeah. this is why it's going to happen. These are the different clues. The wormholes you go down. <laughs> that um, line from Robert Baratheon. A YouTuber brought that up in a video recently when he said, I have a son, you have a daughter, we'll join our houses. And now his son and Ned's daughters are together in one spot. And it could just be another little prophetic oh thing that they, that they dropped oh right there. Uh, yeah, like that. That's, that's so, a, yeah. Oh, and when they're together throughout the entire yeah. show. Yeah, Gendry and Sansa, oh, not, Gendry and Arya. Maybe Arya, Arya will die and it'll be Gendry and Sansa. Oh, and no. they'll be king and queen. Just, what if Jon and Daenerys both die and Gendry and, and Sansa see, end up being king and queen? This like, is what it does the to you. The theories are just endless. And... Um, it's just a lot of fun, man. It's a yeah. whole oh, yeah, fun little it. community of, of uh, just, you know, 50 million people. <laughs> <laughs> is this the modern day, tr- what's Trekkies? <laughs> There's your answer. That's <laughs> uh, Star Trek. If you're, uh, a, if you're a Trek fan. You're, you're oh, Trek no, fan. Star Wars. Yeah, I would say Star Wars. Well, that's more my generation. I wasn't very big into Star Trek, but yes, it's, you know, I don't know what you call you know fanboys or ultra fans or yeah. Do you think this will live as because long? Because it's a universe. It's a it's because of the scope. You can always, you can always come up with something else to theorize or think about because right. the world is so big that there's no. I, like I mean, they're they're, they're releasing a there, there's a Star Star Trek show coming out now and it's it's been going on for 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 decades. Do you think that the fan base for Game of Thrones will be as long? Or is it going to be one of those burnout things because social media is so fast about popularity and, 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 and things that are viral that do you think in 10 years people are going to still be talking about this show like they do Star Trek? I well, think so. Well, it'll depend on Winds of Winter getting done and A Dream of Spring right. getting done and how good the spinoff is right. and stuff like that. And there's going to be another spinoff after that. So, yeah, I think it will, I think it will stand the test of time, especially... Yeah. 
Winds of Winter is going to really rejuvenate it, and everyone's right. going to talk about the difference between the books and the movies, right. and why didn't you do this with Stannis? And the, everyone's going to. Yeah, there's definitely that. A, a strong fan base for that one. I think that it was done so well to the point where I don't think it's going to get uh, just hit to the back burner. It's definitely going to stay for a while. And then who knows? Somebody in the past could just. Write something else about a past Targaryen king that was like obscurely mentioned in the show and mm-hmm. open up that world. I mean, there's, yeah. it's an there's so many different plants to harvest in this world yeah. that it's a universe yeah, that builds intrigue. Last. Like it, it builds intrigues through through its existence. So with that, you're gonna have people who like making fan fiction, who like expounding upon it, having conversations about it. So it's gonna last for a long time, and I hope it does because I love it. 